welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I forgot what I say next. I've lost my Ryan. I've lost my ability to say the full intro. I don't know what it is. I've, I've, I've you are. I have the yips. <laughs> I am your host, Patrick Mayhorn. <laughs> <laughs> I went to say the next word, and my brain didn't hand it to my mouth. It didn't have it. Didn't know what it was. It's yeah. week one, dude. We're yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. Some are saying we're not. We're not quite sure about that yet. <laughs> I'm joined by co-host Ryan Donnelly. Um, who is he's he's my sports psychiatrist who's helping me through this difficult time. Um, Ryan, how's it going? How am I doing? How's my how's my progress? <laughs> yeah, well, we had a little bit of backslide this week, but we're confident with the right amount of DMT therapy and acupuncture, we can get you wherever you want, you want to go. So yeah. uh, I'm kind of a holistic medicine approach. Mm. Uh, um, dude, did I ever tell you about? <laughs> I'm just immediately detouring the podcast, mm-hmm. but uh, about the like a medicine healer type guy from Canada that I met when I was in Peru. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I went on a trip to Peru with two of our buddies who, you know, Steve and Luke listen to this podcast. Uh-huh. And um, we were doing this day tour uh, of like the, uh, the Belestra islands and this desert near Ica, Peru, which is really cool. But, you know, we had to get there at like four 30 in the morning to start. And this other guy on our bus is this like, very seedy looking Canadian man. He was wearing like a like Mark Echo hoodie from like 2004. Okay. Um, <laughs> like the most yellow teeth you've ever seen. Yeah. Probably like before the tour, because you know you drive four hours from Lima to the tour site. Probably smoked a pack, I'd say by like 10 a.m. Um, if I had to guess, like at every stop, hitting two cigarettes out there, just banging through them. Um, wearing like pretty bad jean shorts and Jordans. Uh, like very tattooed, very pale, kind of like a vampire. Um, we get to talking to him mm-hmm. and he tells us that he's a natural healer, a medicine man who comes down to Peru like four times a year to do ayahuasca ceremonies. Okay. Um, he, he, he doesn't host them. He just like does ayahuasca. Ah. Um, <laughs> sure. And, you know, he's done this, this whole bit about how it's like, oh, it helps you like center yourself, like become a, you know, a more holistic and spiritual person. Uh, and, was just like the rudest guy in my entire life, which is great. He was just oh, yeah. like yeah. really shitty to all the people who were like running the thing, uh, including like our clearly autistic tour guide as Waldo, who was very sweet, mm-hmm. being very nasty to him, being nasty to the waiters because they didn't speak English in rural Peru. Yeah. Um, just a bad dude. And then also was dating like a, one of the hottest 23 year old girls you've ever seen in your entire life. Oh. Um, hmm. Just has to be horrified, right? If you're if you're that woman's father. Yeah. Like just having her date the yeah. like a yellow teeth uh, natural medicine man who does ayahuasca in Peru who's like 48 and has like three kids. Yeah. Um, that is really sort of that's the, tough. That is really actually kind of the worst case scenario i think for for many is uh <laughs> is that guy walking through the door and you see you yeah see a guy his, your age dating yeah, your daughter <laughs> yeah you, you see you see his ass walk through the door you're just oh shit <laughs> i fucked up i made it's, a mistake i made a mistake it's kind of way. like it's kind of like seeing jed fish date your daughter yeah it is kind of like seeing that um it is actually a lot like seeing that, and that's happened to many people. And it's a, it's sort of a an epidemic in America is the uh, number of twenty three year olds who are dating Jed Fish at any given time. It's really, <laughs> it's really not good. Um, he recently was raided by the FBI at Arizona, from what I from what I saw from my half yeah. glance at the thing that you sent me before we started the show. He was raided by do, the do FBI. You, is that true? I uh, I actually do want to talk about that news I sent you because it's a crazier quote. Yeah, uh, it's from Jason Shear, who's like the big realignment guy who covers Arizona. He said that uh, he had a quote from Jed Fish's uh, press conference where he said 
Jen Finch told us he brought in speakers, including a former FBI agent and more, to talk about gambling. First of all, bring a former FBI agent to the team, talk about gambling. Very funny. Yeah. Second, who do you think is the more? <laughs> do you think he was bringing in like casino experts, like point yeah. spread guys? Like, look, if you're going to bet, here's how you do it smart. Like, look for the value. He's um, got Rain Man talking to the team. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, guys, we're a little short on funding until we join the until we join the Big Twelve. We need to make this up one way or another. We're asking you to reinvest your NIL funds in our in our system. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 foolproof. We guarantee four hundred percent return on your investment. What we do is we just tail SP plus one hundred percent, completely tail SP plus. Parlays now, parlays now, parlays, parlays. Yeah, the guy up at the whiteboard talking to the team, writing down parlays, and he's like clapping, parlays, parlays, parlays. <laughs> team is taking notes. <laughs> team is writing down. Oh man, that's good. That's a good use of your time. I think as a college football uh, coach is to yeah. bring in multiple people to talk about uh, talk about gambling. Oh. Also, staying in the state of Arizona, mm. I, I saw Kenny Dillingham speak for the first time today. <laughs> yeah, have you ever watched him talk? I did this morning when you shared the uh, when you shared the video. It's not <laughs> it's not how you want a football coach to sound. I would say uh, as a blank no, statement. dude. He he does sound like a guy who's going to grad school but works at Buffalo Wild Wings. Kind of what he sounds like to me. You know he's running the old Navy like it's the actual Navy. That's the thing I know about him. You just look at him, you hear him talk. He's uh he's in command. He's he's in control. He's, he does he's... look he looks kind of sapphic, you know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> he's I would say cherubic, but I think sapphic also also where he's 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 every ick you can think of um all combined into one little man one wee little man including slavic he's also slavic he is slavic (laughs) he's all sorts of things um do you want to talk about week zero real quick yeah we we probably should just run through this really quick yeah so so we're gonna talk week zero real quick we're also going to do this is the this is the the watch list i forgot what we called it this is the fbi watch list yeah this is that's the, someone else's podcast. That's somebody else's podcast. <laughs> Not this one. I'm going to actually take down the timestamp and erase me saying that. So nobody will even know what we're talking about right now. Um, <laughs> can't give any, free, no free publicity. Um, but we're going to do the, the FBI so podcast list. that doesn't exist anymore. I think it still exists in some form. Um, but isn't, uh, it, isn't that from, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, we're going to do the FBI watch list. We're going to go to, we're going to go to Guantanamo Bay. We're going to talk about the Abu Ghraib game of the week. We're going to do all that, all that shit. But before we can do that, we do have, what is it? Seven games to talk about from week zero. I watched yeah. at least some part of all seven of these games. I watched in entirety, I think three or four of these games. Um, we're going to start here. We're just going to go chronological order. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on these because most of them don't have a whole lot to talk about. But first up, Notre Dame 42, Navy 3. Um, I, people were fawning over the Notre Dame running attack from this game, which it, it, it did what it was supposed to do. I mean, the, the success rate was 67% and non-garbage time snaps. They, they just got whatever they wanted at will. But that is not... I don't think that that's much of a reflection on Notre Dame as much as it is that it's going to take a minute for Navy. Um, Navy's not good. Navy's talent is not good. I don't think that they're doing anything really to make up for it. I liked some of the stuff that Grant Chestnut, the new uh, OC, was doing. They had some interesting plays, but the team isn't good. And and so I don't really think... uh, Notre Dame did not meet a whole lot of resistance in this game. No. Also, that uh, that Navy running back who weighed like 145 pounds. What's up with that, dude? Do some push-ups. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, um, 
Speaking of doing push-ups, I I was scanning the roster because I was I, I was making fun of people who were excited about the Navy, uh, sorry the Notre Dame offensive line. Yeah. Uh, do you know if you had to guess, Patrick, what would you say is the average height and weight of the Navy defensive line? Defensive line probably like six two two forty five. Yeah, you nailed it. Six two two fifty two. Let's go. Uh, is the average height and weight? No one weighs more than two ninety. Yeah, they I, it, they, listen, they're not allowed. They physically cannot be. <laughs> they cannot be that heavy. They're not allowed to be. Yes, if you have any takeaways from that game other than Navy is going to take a long time to rebuild, I am jingling keys in your face. Yeah. Uh, like the Navy offense, the Navy offense line, we know it's good, but I, I'm not learning anything from that game based on that. Um, I will say Sam Hartman had one really nice throw on the seam in the first half. Uh-huh. Besides that, those balls float to the sideline. Like he is the same guy we've seen the last four years. There's no sip on that ball. Yeah. Um, it's just based on timing. And the those receivers cannot run routes. I don't know who the receiver coach is. I should probably learn that. Yeah. But uh, whoever he is, he is not going to be employed for very long. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, Hartman. I mean, it looked like it looked like a Sam Hartman game, right? His placement is generally very good. He doesn't put any zip on the ball, and he basically requires his receivers to go up and get it. And against Navy's cornerbacks, that's not that hard to do. Um, None of the none of the receivers really stood out to me. They do have a guy whose name is not Jaden Groverhouse, but I will be calling him Jaden Groverhouse because his real <laughs> name is Jaden Greathouse. Uh, so Jaden Groverhouse was sort of their leading their leading receiver. I don't know. They looked fine. They they did what they were supposed to do against a bad a bad Navy team. I don't think there's a whole lot really yeah. to to pull from it beyond that. No, um, they looked fine. They looked like Notre Dame. I <laughs> don't know what people were expecting. Yeah. The receiver coach, by the way, is uh, quote unquote Chancy Stucky. Oh, um, I know Chancy Stucky. Previously I coached him. Yeah, he coached the Baylor wide receivers twenty twenty one, and was also a Clemson grad assistant for two years. Hmm. So I think he played. Didn't I think he? we all know what we need to know. Yeah, yeah. he played. Uh, he played for Clemson as a quarterback and wide receiver. That's right. Then he played for the Jets, Browns, and Cardinals for about four total years. I, think, I feel like we've talked about this guy recent. I don't know. Maybe we, maybe it was somebody else. Anyway, next up, Jacksonville State seventeen, UTEP fourteen. Jacksonville State opens its FBS tenure with a win. Um, this was a this was a very strange game. UTEP out, I believe, outgained Jacksonville State and generally a lot. Um, had a lot more success offensively than Jacksonville State did. Jacksonville State had a couple of uh explosive plays and that was kind of that was kind of it they could not pass the ball at all they ran pretty well um but utep moved the ball relatively consistently it just was not finishing drives and and that sort of came to a head on the last drive when they're down by three and they get uh, back to back i think third and short and then fourth and short and they throw an incompletion and an interception um some strange play calling throughout the game for utep some strange situational uh coaching and, and playing and they uh, they lose a winnable game, I think, because of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, UTEP had three turnovers plus two over turnovers on downs plus a missed field goal. Yeah, that's the game. Can't do that. Can't do that. Yeah, I was I was pretty impressed with uh, the receiver Kelly uh, Ak- Ak- Akiari, I think Akiari, uh, who uh, who was the leading receiver. He did, I did not really know his name coming into the year, but he played really well. Um, I thought Gavin Hardison was fine he had two interceptions the the second one was a lot worse than the first one uh the the arm is still big and the decisions are still not very good i think utep basically is what it is and and will uh win or lose a lot of games this season based on just situational playing um i was i was i will say go ahead okay no i say i I think you were just gonna say this but 
I was pretty impressed with how well Jacksonville State defended Tyron yes. Smith. Yep, yep, you uh, you beat me to it. I was impressed in general with Jacksonville State's defense. I they were not very good last year. They still might not be very good this year, but they they handled themselves pretty well in, in this game. They didn't allow a ton of big plays. I think generally they they obviously got off the field when they needed to. Um, if that group can be competent, this is a this is an upper half of the of the conference USA yeah. team. I think pretty comfortably. So, so over under two and a half years until Rich Rod is back in the Big Twelve. <sighs> Probably under. If they're, I mean, the the cuse is wide open. If they can engineer, you know, a couple eight win seasons, I think that the some Big Twelve team would be thrilled to have him. I think you're probably right. I think it's happening sooner or later. Uh, UMass versus New Mexico State. Yep. Um, I watched the second half of this. Sorry, I did not catch the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, any takeaways from you in this game? We should know about. Yeah, so UMass pulls out the forty-one to thirty win. I think first FBS <laughs> win over an FBS team in quite some time, maybe of the Don Brown era. This second time around, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, certainly a rare road win for them. Um, I was happy for them. I was very happy for UMass. This was a pretty disappointing outing for New Mexico State, especially at home with a good crowd. Um, but UMass looked wholly competent here. UMass looked, I, the way that I, I saw a, a UMass writer described it was they looked like a college football team, right? Like they had guys in the right place and their quarterback could throw the ball down the field a little bit and they moved the ball fairly well. Defense was flying around. I thought that the defense looked really good until the fourth quarter when both teams kind of fell apart on defense and the game descended into chaos, but uh, they forced a lot of turn. They, they forced a couple turnovers. They got to the quarterback pretty well. Um, they handled themselves pretty well situationally. I, I thought this was a really impressive uh, outing from, from UMass and then on New Mexico State's side, just too many, again, too many mistakes. I think that that's going to be a, a common theme throughout these games. Yeah, I did not realize that Eli Stowers was on New Mexico State's roster, mm. uh, the former former Notre Dame, or not Notre Dame, Texas A&M uh, quarterback had transferred here. Um, he was mostly a rushing threat. He ran the ball th- uh, for 30 yards on four attempts. I did not realize he was on this roster at all. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, something to think about. Um, I'll, I'll also, <laughs> I will also mention, um, is it Fomachan? Is that how you say it? Tyson Fomachan? Uh, at, at I don't know how to pronounce it, but that's who it is. Yeah. I'm going to go with Fomachan. Um, it kind of kept... Probably not. On, yeah. on TV, it <laughs> kept sounding like they were saying Gorbachev, which is not right. I don't think that uh, Gorbachev is back there. Maybe someday. Um, he and Don Brown go way back. But uh, Tyson looked really good in this game. I, I thought he handled himself really well. They didn't ask him to do a ton as a passer. He really had just the one standout pass that I think probably most people have seen at this point. But he ran the ball well. He ran the offense well. He looks like a he looks like a capable starter, which is something that they have not had in a long time, and that that could pretty significantly raise the ceiling for for this team. Yeah, I'm curious. I do want to know how it's pronounced. I'm looking it up right now. I'm, um, I'm going to assume that I am correct. I think I'm Pumachan. It's Pumachan. Pumachan. Okay, it's Gorbachev. Um, yeah. So <laughs> happy for UMass. Good for them. Uh, San Diego State twenty, Ohio thirteen. This one. Um, did not live up to the hype because uh, Curtis Work left the game like five minutes in. Um, he, I think he got like a drive and a half in, and the first drive was pretty good. The second drive was less good, and he he gets uh, he gets sacked, and 
it's kind of unclear what happened to him. There's, I, I don't know if there's been reporting since. I've not looked. Um, but in the in the midst of the game, there was talk that it was a concussion. I don't think that that was the case. There was talk that he had re-aggravated his ACL tear that, that kept him out for most of the offseason. Um, I don't know if there's an update there. I'm actually probably going to look while you talk about this. But um, it, it, uh, that sort of took the wind out of the sails here. Yeah. Ohio it, really couldn't I get a whole I do see an update going. that he's... He's already been cleared to start for the next game. Okay. Um, That's good. Yeah, it was uh, It was an x-ray. It was something physical. It was not a concussion. Or no, sorry. Actually, Tim Elvin said he did not have to get x-rays. Oh. And he said the injury was not related to an ACL tear, okay. which he suffered last season. So unclear of what caused it. Maybe it was a concussion, but yeah. um, was not related to his previous knee injuries. Okay. Um, well, that's good. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it's tough. I mean, CJ Harris. Boof. <laughs> He just doesn't see the field very well, right? No. Like he doesn't really know what he's looking at, I think, is the problem. No. I mean, three interceptions. Uh, he completed I think well f- under half of his passes. I'm looking at, uh, we, we've talked about this before, the, the gameonpaper.com stats not being super reliable. I think he had four. I think he had four interceptions. ESPN has him at three. Well, that's, I don't know. that's probably um, right. That's more reliable than this website is. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, the offense just—I mean, that that offense really fell apart without Curtis Rourke, and understandably so because CJ Harris is not very good. Um, I, the play calling was kind of weird. I don't know why they had him throw the ball as much as they did. It doesn't really—I don't know what you possibly could think about CJ Harris as his coach that would inspire you to have him throw the ball as much as he did when you have you know two really good running backs and also he can run. Um, that felt like kind of a uh, either a misfire or admission that the offensive line was not really up to the task against San Diego State's front, which is troubling. Um, I thought it looked fine when they did run the ball. They just didn't do it as much as they probably should have. Um, defensively, I thought both teams looked okay. San Diego State, I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts on. Um, Jalen Maiden led one really, really good drive to basically put the game away at the end where he was really firing on all cylinders, but that offense doesn't look horribly <laughs> horribly strong either. It, it looked basically like what it was doing last season with maybe a little bit more comfort in the passing game. Um, hard to take too much from this with, with Rourke re- leaving the game. I think Ohio probably wins if he's on the field. Yeah, uh, Sam Wigloose looked great. Uh, yeah. He's a really good college receiver. He's, he's awesome. Uh, liked him liked him quite a bit. Uh, I was pretty impressed by uh, San Diego State's sophomore linebacker, uh, Zyrus Fiaseu. Mm-hmm. Um, he played pretty well. Honestly, they're a whole lot in core. New Zealand Williams, that big interception return. Uh, and their safety, Sidarius Barfield, played really well, too. Yeah, um, yeah. Cody Moon is Barfield's well, the, a senior. the New Mexico transfer. I mean, that was the thing, as we were talking about coming into the season, right, previewing them, is that they had a whole bunch of guys to replace in that front, but it's hard to be skeptical about San Diego State, even as it is bringing in a bunch of new guys and, and relying on new guys stepping up in the front because they're always fucking good. Um, and uh, yeah, they're just they're It seems like those linebackers and the defensive linemen are just going to be good again. They just they just keep on churning through guys. Yeah. Also, I can't believe Oshawn Allison is still in college. Yeah, um, and, and running over I, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I covered him when I was covering recruiting, which I, I stopped covering recruiting in the ago. spring of 2018. Yeah, <laughs> it's been five years. So damn. Um, <laughs> damn. Yeah, he, he's been around. He was a Melbourne prep kid, uh, one of the richest high schools I've ever seen in my life. Huh. I went out there to cover. It's like an affiliate area. They have an equestrian team at the high school. Um, <laughs> they had stables at this prep school. Oh my god. Um, That's... Yeah, it's like a mainline rich kid thing. Yeah, it's like where Dan's from. 
Yeah, many, many <laughs> said that. Um, Vanderbilt 35, Hawaii 28 up next. This one uh, kind of came down to the wire. It had been sort of looking like a runaway for Vanderbilt. I think they led 35-14 at one point, but Hawaii storms back down the stretch and actually has a chance to drive down and potentially tie the game, but uh, gets a, a super, super bad, very, very much back-breaking interception from Braden Shaker, who uh, I think, and I, I posted... Uh, a lengthy clip of of all of the really nice throws that he made in this game. I think he played really well throughout and had two really bad plays, and they ended up being the two most important plays of the game. He threw an interception in the end zone in like the second quarter, um, and then he threw the interception that it ended the game in the fourth quarter. Other than that, I thought he looked awesome. I thought Hawaii's offense looked much improved. Um, those receivers look really solid, and he his arm is is excellent. I think he can make pretty much every throw you want him to make. Um, but on the other side of things, oof, this Vanderbilt, this Vanderbilt team, Ryan, I don't think is going to be very good this year. This this was a this was a pretty rough debut from them. No, it is it is definitely not what you want to see. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like I thought the Ricky Wright, who we knew was one of the stars, of this defense played pretty well for them. Um, but I mean, the problem is that they they don't really have much of a pass rush, and they still don't. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think they got what is it, three sacks on the night? Yeah, three sacks on the night. Um, but it was kind of just a lot of schemed up stuff. They had to like throw a lot of the blitz there. It wasn't much going on. They also don't have a running back, which could be a problem with uh, with Rayvon Davis transferring out again. Yeah. Um. So it's it's just, I mean, damn dude, like just not a rushing attack whatsoever. Just nothing cooking at all. No, the, uh, they the... need to find a running back. Yeah, yeah. the sort of the in, the core pieces of this Vanderbilt team just didn't look very good. The offensive line was shaky. Um, I, the pass rush, like you mentioned, was not especially impressive, and I thought the secondary was outright bad. They were those corners were losing one-on-one matchups just on go routes pretty consistently. They were getting beat to the ball by Hawaii's receivers, and I, I don't think Hawaii's receivers are going to be the best group that Vanderbilt sees this year. Um, it no. was it was not a super encouraging start for them. They can get better, no, no, but I, it felt like some pretty some pretty fundamental issues with the like actual yeah. physical bodies on the roster. I, I think that uh, Hawaii's defensive front was better than I thought, which is mm. to say it wasn't the worst in the conference or like the worst in the league. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a positive. I don't know. I thought Isaiah. Step forward. <laughs> yeah. Isaiah Tufang and Andrew Choi both really well. Um, I think Choi contributed. I had it just had it down here. I think he had two and a half tackles for a loss in my notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I recall correctly, uh, played pretty well at defensive end. They kind of have the, he happens a hybrid. Like kind of a jack position, we run the formation a little bit. He played well. I liked him. Yeah, there um, was a there was a safety as well who really stood out to me. I have to get his name. Um, uh, oh, of course, that makes sense. Peter Manuma, who was really good for them last year as a uh, as a freshman, really good again this this game. I think he is an all Mountain West caliber player. Um, very good tackler, very good in pursuit, and also can handle himself pretty well in coverage. He is. He's excellent. He's the kind of guy you can build a defense around. I think they're going to try and uh, do that as best they can this season. Um, you, yeah. I, I, did you have that the chance to actually watch this game, or were you just posting about it? USC 56, San Jose State 28. I watched most of that game. Okay, uh, so I'm going to have to... Um, have to I watched the first half. Yeah, first I'll have to leave this one to you because I couldn't watch this game. I don't have Pac-12 Network. Yeah, I was just illegally streaming it. Yeah. Um, Dude, I mean, come on. It's, it, I'm so tired. It's just, we were exactly right about them already. I, I, I can have full confidence in week one yeah. that this defense will be absolute dog shit again. Uh, I mean, San Jose State, 
I didn't have time to adjust for sacks, even without sacks. Uh, or I guess they even produce any. Uh, yeah, they produced one sack on the day USC did, which is awesome for them. Um, <laughs> uh, San Jose State still averaged over seven yards a carry. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just ran these guys pretty easily. Oh, my God. Um, the linebacker fits were horrendous. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was just really, really unimpressive on defense from uh, from USC. This game was in doubt at halftime. They obviously pulled away. That throw, everyone was, like, creaming their pants over. That's that's um, where uh, Caleb Williams dropped the snap of his own accord. Like, no, nothing yeah. else happened. He just dropped yeah. the snap. And then the, uh, yeah, and then the defense collapses in, and his, his wide receiver runs wide fucking open down the sidelines. Really yeah. impressive playmaking there. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I mean, like... He is a Zach Wilson style individual to me. He is a better version of Zach Wilson. Yeah, that is he, what I'm looking at. When I yeah, watch him play. Yeah, he is like we. I'm not. I'm not too. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it. He's an excellent uh, off schedule playmaker. He's very, very good at handling pressure. He's very good at escaping the. To pocket. be clear, this is the first time you ever admitted this. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's very good at. at uh, well, I'm not now. Now I used to be. I used to be above saying this, but now I'm not. I've been knocked down a peg. Um, <laughs> he's very good at it. He's very good at escaping the pocket and making plays on the run. He doesn't, he can't stay in the pocket. He can't run the actual offense, which I mean, I guess is, a yeah, he doesn't play of, in structure at all. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess is a symptom of the offense doesn't have a structure. The structure is that you fucking run around and wait for a receiver to come open, which whatever. Um, yeah, but they have, they have six awesome ones. So that'll work. Probably. Yeah. But when you, <laughs> when you drop seven into coverage, even when the guys in coverage aren't very good, he can't do anything. He doesn't know what to do. He just, he bounces around back there. He's, uh, he's, he's the ADHD quarterback. He can't sit around in the pocket. He gets, he gets antsy. He's got to move. He's got to run around and he just gets sacked. He, he doesn't, it's like he's thinking about running, not thinking about trying to look at what's happening down the field. He just wants to leave. He wants to go somewhere else. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, to, to each their own, it is not especially impressive to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say um, there are two true freshmen we were curious about, Zachary Branch and Deuce Robinson, both looked awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, Branch, Branch especially. Is, I mean, Ooh, averaged, <laughs> yeah, he, he averaged... Uh, what is it like? I think 15 yards of touch over 15 yards of touch there. Yeah. So house to, to it. House to kick off. Uh, I think scored yeah. another touchdown within the offense. Um, runs about two inches off the ground at all times and, and at a million miles per hour. He he's fun to watch. He is fun to watch run around. Yeah, I thought Mason Cobb played pretty well for USC. Their their linebacker addition. Oh, see, I actually State. I had the exact opposite thought about him. I was actually going to text you while I was going back and watching the extended highlights of this game that uh, USC has acquired another fish. They've got <laughs> they've got it. They've got an additional guy on the defense you can pick. Well, up. I thought he played like shit. I thought he was out of position. Here, here's the thing. He, he he is terrible in pass coverage. But we knew that. He is also the only player on USC's like back seven who can run fit. Yeah. Um, no one else could fit the run. Like I mean, he's the only guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll be. Maybe he'll just be a victim of of that, and that he has to do too. He's asked to be. He's being asked. He's to tough, Borland. Yeah, yeah, he's tough. Well, I don't know that that was tough. I don't. I think tough Borland had something to do with his own <laughs> with his own shortcomings. Um, but I, I did like. I don't. It. It looks like basically the same thing that USC has been doing on defense, which is that they are. Uh, extremely aggressive and more than happy to attack someone who doesn't have the ball or um, some, like a defenseless receiver or anything of the of the sort. And then as soon as the receiver or running back or quarterback or whoever is ready for them, they they have no interest in contact. They uh, 
they're, yeah. they're, their pursuit is dog shit. They're way too aggressive in trying to in, in everything that they do. They're, they they're playing a million miles per hour without understanding anything about what they're actually doing on defense because they're not well coached. They're they're the discipline is bad. It's just a right. just a trashy team. There's there's no. Uh, there's no there's there's no logic to anything that they're doing there's no there, there's not a system here there's no discipline they're just running around right I, I mean i think it's probably a testament as well that by far the best player d-line was a true sophomore transfer who got here in like july with anthony lucas yeah um i don't think he was very good like, no one that d-line is very good obviously yeah but lucas at least like was running plays down in pursuit which you have to give him credit for that defensive end because I mean, Christ, Barry Alexander certainly wasn't. Uh, he he looked just sloppy and lazy, as you expect from him. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he'll make some highlight plays that'll have like the idiots who don't know if they're watching trolling over him. But that's not a guy who's going to be a, like a top fifty NFL pick. Um, Demani Jackson got thrown out a lot. He did. Uh, <laughs> he sure did. He got thrown out a lot. Um, yeah, he played well in run support, which we know he's just a big corner that happens, right? He's like six two, two hundred. Yeah. Um, and. Also, the Caleb Williams clip that you posted in the second half and I didn't have a chance to watch. I mean, come on. Ridiculous. Come on. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, yeah, and also I will say the guy who was going nuts on this USC defense in the in the San Jose State receiving core was Nick Nash, who was a quarterback. <laughs> That's his, That was his – by trade, he's a quarterback who has been converted to wide receiver. This is not like some proven star at wide receiver. And he had some fantastic plays. He looked really, really good. I, I don't want to discredit him, but – he was a quarterback. This is a converted quarterback that we're talking about, not like a, a five-star receiver, which is presumably the guys that they should be practicing against. I don't know if they actually do that there. Um, yeah, last thing on this, and, and this is just sticking to the same things that we've been talking about, uh, San Jose State, which you, you've you referenced quite a few times, I think, on Twitter. I don't know if we said it on here. Basically no experience on their offensive line at all. Very few even guys on, on scholarship there. Um, they have, yeah, they have two scholarship offensive linemen who are juniors or seniors. Right. Um, everyone else is a freshman or sophomore eligibility. Yeah. Uh, I think only two guys ever started a game before the season at San Jose State. So just like brand new O-line for the most part. No experience, no no age. Very young, very green O-line. They still move the ball pretty well. Yeah, the the stats, the two stats I want to mention here real quick. 50% success rate on the ground for San Jose State behind that, that line. Um, and uh, 41% on standard downs, 37% on passing downs. Both of those are too high if you're USC. Uh, if you're any defense, actually, really. Um, they, ju- I mean, they're, they're the same fucking defense. I, I think if you, if you seriously think of this team as, as a, a playoff contender heading into the season, you need to look in the mirror. I think you need to do some, some reflection about your knowledge of football. Cause this team is not serious. They're not going to, our, uh, they our to favorite play- guy, Josh Pate did the even worse move than Oregon in his playoff. Yeah. Like um, the, the USC is going to have to play quite a few very good rushing attacks in the PAC 12. This is not going to happen. Come on. There, there's no, no, come on. Um, last is this the last one? Yeah, last one. We can yeah. we can breeze through this one. This was a dog shit football game. Really hard to watch. Louisiana Tech twenty two, FIU seventeen. Both of these teams looked really bad. I, that was the only real takeaway I had here. FIU could not. I mean, literally could not pass the ball. I think their quarterback finished with four yards. Um, and Louisiana Tech's offense for all <laughs> of the. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. I think he finished with four yards. No, he did. I just, yeah. <laughs> I just realized I didn't watch. A, I didn't watch any of this game. I saw clips on Twitter, but I didn't watch any of this game. Yeah. Shamari Lawrence was basically the only thing that even kind of worked for for FIU on offense, and a lot of that came from just a couple runs. Um, But then on the other side, 
And I do think Louisiana Tech's defense played pretty well. But on the other side, Louisiana Tech's offense has all of this talent. You can see it. You can. It's it's very apparent that like Hank Bachmeyer could be pretty good. Um, I I think that Charvis Thornton is is pretty solid at halfback. Smoke Harris had an awesome game. He's very very good receiver. This offense is dog shit. This system is stupid. This is it's 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 Sonny Cumbie running like a 2007 air raid where 90% of their passes go two or fewer yards down the field. They're just do, they're just running drag routes and screens. They couldn't do anything. They ran 93 plays and none of them were good. This it's this is it just what is the point of bringing all these guys in so that you can run the system that's supposed to operate when you have a, a severe talent disadvantage? Why'd you do this? What what is the why are you running this with these guys? It doesn't. It's it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, I guess my only takeaway, just looking at this box score, is that I am just now learning. Maybe you mentioned this during the preview, and I forgot it. That uh, Jez Lord Boateng is now on the Louisiana Tech roster yeah. and yeah, starting. He, he sure you remember is. him? Yes, I, I I certainly do. I have I have written about Jess Lord Boateng in previews about like three different schools now because I, I was yeah uh, it's his third school. Yeah, he was but, on Michigan State then Akron. Yeah, yeah. I, when I was covering Ohio State, I believe he played against Ohio State first at Michigan State and then again at Akron in 2021. <laughs> now he's at now he's at Louisiana <laughs> Tech. He's still not very good. He's he's had three schools and he no. still isn't very good at football. He's like 26 years old. Maybe get a job. Maybe go to Indeed.com. <laughs> Start looking around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, third school. Uh he started. Uh no thoughts. No thoughts in this game. Yep. We can move on to the preview. Actually, before we do that though, yeah. We should preview our own website, Patrick. Mm. What okay. Go for it. No, tell me about it. What are we doing? <laughs> Speak on it. I always I always to do this show. Why don't you do this? <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, you can fine. You can do home field then. Meet at midfield.com is a website that Ryan and I are in charge of that we put on. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I'm out of I'm out of practice. I don't know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> we put up the posts. We do the written posts. Uh, you are just uh, finishing up the Big Ten preview stuff. We just put up the uh, you put up the last of the SEC preview. Um, I have uh, I'm getting into the weekly stories of one scheme standouts, which is just a breakdown of you know however many plays caught my eye from the past weekend that I want to talk about and, and kind of explain. Um, and then the watch list, which is the written version of this that has more detail and, and less uh, talk about DMT usually. Um, and uh, mm. we've, so we've got all sorts of stuff coming from the written side. We also, of course, have the premium podcast. There will be one premium podcast of this show a week, which will be us kind of stretching our legs and doing whatever we want to do that isn't recap or preview um and that also gets you access to the premium high street freaks uh episodes and i don't know how frequently you guys are doing those probably once a week right yeah it's one it's one premium uh one free per week gotcha um, um so we have it's gonna be five total podcasts per week okay. uh between the two podcasts uh you get access to it's a lot of podcasts it's a lot of podcasts. You get access if you're an Ohio State fan. It's a lot of podcasts. If you don't care about Ohio State, you get three of this one a week, which is still plenty. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the written content's great. We're going to do you know scheme standouts. I have two weekly columns. Uh, Taylor and Kevin write about Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, we may have some more Michigan content coming. News not soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the boards are popping. We're going to oh, start yeah. the discussion threads for week for week one today. Um, I mean, I think the week zero thread had like, you know, 20 pages easily. Yeah. The week Um, zero thread for seven games, most of which were not very good, was still going nuts. Um, the message board is, 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 uh, in, in mid season form already, we're going to be doing, uh, playback streams as well. And we have reference stuff to, to that in there. We also have, of course, the SP plus full 2023 season spreadsheet, which I don't know if I've ever actually mentioned in detail on the show, but you get access to that. Um, it's exactly what it sounds like. 
uh, all sorts of good stuff going on on the message boards. And if you still active, right? The code, if you, if you use code kickoff, you can get 50, yeah. 50, uh, 50% off your first purchase of monthly, semi-annual or an annual, uh, subscription, which is, uh, I think the best deal yeah. we've ever, I mean, I mean, look, we've ever you, done by far. Yeah. You can come get the entire season for 33 bucks. Yeah. Um, that's not too bad. You're, you're losing money if you don't do this. Yeah. Uh, I've been saying that. <laughs> well, we are going to mug yeah. you if you don't also. So you're literally losing money. You're not just True. missing out. You are, you are losing money. We're going to send people after you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're also mid- easily the, the website that people get angriest at. Oh, yeah. Uh, every. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Mostly just me, not you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm fairly inoffensive <laughs> when, when compared to you. When standing next to you, I look, uh, I look very angelic. Um, yeah. So, midfield.com, use code kickoff for 50% off your first purchase. Um, we are also, of course, brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Ryan, what the, what the hell is Homefield Apparel? What the fuck is going on over there? Yeah, Homefield Apparel is America's top vintage collegiate apparel purveyor of goods. Mm. Uh, they are selling, they're selling t-shirts, selling joggers, selling bomber jackets. They think they have some hats on there. Um, there's a lot of great content, a lot of sweatshirts too. Um, not just content, there's actually gear you can buy. Um, they are <laughs> content, not affiliated. I, <laughs> I would say actually content is the last thing that I think of when I'm thinking of Homefield Apparel. Content is one of the... <laughs> well, I'm trying to honor our colleague Taylor Fulton who writes the content. Content, <laughs> yeah, she does the content and the content is good and the social media is good, but it is, I would say, largely not a content company. Primarily, no, no, primarily this shit. is a shirt company. I guess you could call <laughs> shirts you, content, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I kind of just think about everything as content, right? Like when I'm going to the, the hospital and being medical content, uh, <laughs> when I'm hooking up with a girl, that's sex content. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, all that's yeah. kind of happening. Um, yeah, look, I mean, buy some shirts. It's great. Uh, I, I have one. I do literally have one on right now. Um, I also just bought some gear, which I think I mentioned the story before. Hmm. Uh, just came today for um, my, my buddy Steve and his Australian girlfriend. I've converted them to... Uh, to Buckeye fans for the season, they have new Buckeye gear, uh, courtesy of Homefield Apparel, sporting off the 1968 national championship team for Ohio State. Uh, there's a lot of great gear on there. The new bomber jackets are amazing. That pit one was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, they just dropped some really cool boxes of stuff where you get all exclusive gear. You pay yeah. for the box up front, and you get, I think, like what, like five pieces of gear uh, or something like that. Uh, it's all new. Um, if you're one of those schools, like for a box, really cool stuff. Uh, it's great. It's really great stuff. I mean, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, it's fantastic. It's very comfortable. It's stylish. Um, it looks cool. It's perfect time to have it. And the code is meet at midfield, all one word, for fifteen percent off your first purchase. Let's go. Let's talk about the watch. Let's let's do the watch list. Let's talk about the games that we're going to watch. Yeah. Let's talk, let's about, talk about the idea of the watch list. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we uh we probably do just as the season goes on. We probably do need to just explain the watch list every week. <laughs> Which I think would be a funny bit of uh, well, once a week we have to tell you we have to uh, we have to explain why it's called the FBI watch list and why our categories from good to bad are Guantanamo Bay most wanted and no fly list with the best being the Abu Ghraib game of the week. Um, it's because uh, we feel like it. It's because we think it's funny. We think it's a good bit and we like it and we're not going to change no matter how many times people say, oh, this isn't very marketable. Oh, people are going to be confused. Oh, you might be uh, generally off 
off-putting to anyone who comes across your podcast. Uh, fuck you. That's what Shut we have up. to say about yeah. it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> we, we are, we Do you are, want to go to Guantanamo? Yeah. We'll take wanna, you there. We got gonna, a guy. We're going to take you there right now. Thursday, August 31st, Guantanamo Bay game of the day is Florida at Utah, 8 p.m. on ESPN. Um, we've been talking about this one for a while. I think as an actual, if you are just looking at it objectively football game, this is not that great of a game, but it's easily the best of the day. Um, it is a, a ranked and fascinating Utah team against a Florida team that a lot of people have managed to convince themselves is, uh, competent, which I don't think is going to be the case, but Florida did get them last year. And this is, it's a P5 versus P5 game between two teams that are, if nothing else, hoping to be, in Florida's case, a bowl team, and in Utah's case, uh, a serious Pac-12 contender, if not a playoff team. Yeah, uh, which, I mean, the Florida desires are fairly delusional. Uh That is not going to happen. They will not be making a bowl game. They shouldn't Um, even wish for it. You guys need to. (laughs) (laughs) You need to know your player. Set your sights lower. Maybe get to four first. Let's, 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 let's get to four and then we can talk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is, as you said, that's by far the best game of the day. Uh, It's one of the only games of the day. (laughs) It's not a a very robust Thursday night schedule. Um, I mean, I guess the one concern is that, like, we thought Utah was a lot better than Florida last year, and Florida still won this game. But it's not the same teams. I guess also, theoretically, could be concerned about uh, Cam Rising's health. He is saying he's playing week one. They are saying he's playing week one. Uh I still just want to see how he moves, you know? Yeah. Um, And just see how he can play. But, I mean, just from a talent perspective, Utah is way ahead of Florida. Um, Just a lot more guys who are future Sunday players in Utah's roster. A lot more players who are competent. Um who are just competent to play football. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's uh it's a good group here. They have Junior Tafanu, um, or Tafuna rather, um, who uh who is back at defensive tackle. Uh they have a really great offensive lineman, uh Satawa Lomea, uh, who's back at right tackle. Uh, you get Cam Rising, uh Kareen Reed at linebacker, and Cole Bishop at, at safety are probably like uh, all pack twelve guys. Um they brought in Miles Battle from Ole Miss for like a bit. He's a six foot four corner. Um, just a lot of athletes on this Utah team. Um, a lot of depth. You know, I, I think if uh, if Cam Rising is out for a little period of time, that's a little bit concerning. Uh, you know, I, I will say that they um, they, they got to kind of figure out what they do without him because it's a, both for this year and next year if he's hurt at all uh, um, because it's kind of tough. There's a lot of weapons here, like Shaquan and Jackson. I'm like a Bernard or solid running backs. You have Devon Bealy and Money Parks at receiver. Uh, obviously, Brad Keithy at, at tight end. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of guys who can play ball right now, if they're all healthy, just got to make sure this team stays healthy, which it has not done the past two years. Yep, pretty much. I would guess that this is one that is um, decided, and that you could say this about a lot of football games, but I think this is one that will be very clearly decided by the, the lines, uh, both of which I think at, at Utah are significantly uh, further along than the ones at Florida. Yeah, Florida's O line is disgustingly bad. Yeah, I fear. I don't really fear. I don't care. It's not my problem if Florida loses a, loses a football game. But I fear that Florida probably will not be able to get a whole lot done offensively because I just don't think that offensive line is up for the task of handling what what Utah has in the front. Um, I, I think it's probably well. Thank God Graham Mertz is so great at improvising. Too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Graham Graham Mertz runs. <laughs> he runs like Joe Theismann immediately after he had his legs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good yeah he's, he's not doing much i mean florida just doesn't have they don't have shit dude they're they do not have shit on this team 
Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say. It's uh, Graham Mertz. I mean, their running backs are really good. Their running backs are awesome, but I, I think like you know Utah's linebackers and safety so disciplined. I'm not too worried about you know, the running backs breaking loose for Florida. Yeah, Graham Mertz is back behind the bleachers at the horse track, trying to convince his owner that he doesn't need to be shot. I'm I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> My legs are actually good. You don't need to. You don't need to do this. Let's 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 just talk about this. We don't let's need talk to talk this either. out. Let's yeah. just talk this out. You don't. Let's not make any rash decisions. Yeah, I think Utah probably wins, but I am interested to see what this looks like. Yeah, because uh, I thought uh, they I were probably going to win last year, and they didn't. Right. I will say if Florida can move the ball easily, or if I don't know, like if Utah can't move the ball well, or if Florida can move it, I'd be surprised at both outcomes. It probably changed my opinion of both teams a good bit. Yeah. Um, maybe less so by Utah's offense, but um, yeah, if Florida's offense can move the football, I will be shocked and dismayed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, in the most wanted section, Nebraska at Minnesota, 8 p.m. on Fox. Uh, first Big Ten game of the season, right? I don't think any Big Ten teams right. played in Week Zero. No one played last week. Um, Minnesota is is hosting and favored, I would imagine, pretty significantly. Nebraska, obviously, starting a new coaching tenure with Matt Rule. Um, I I would guess that this is another one where the class of the lines is the thing that decides the game. I think Minnesota is just further along than Nebraska is at this point. I am fascinated to see what Nebraska looks like because this is another one of those teams. Maybe you have a different opinion on this having uh, recently, I believe, looked into Nebraska more. But uh, they're a team I just can't really get a great grasp on. And I would imagine that Minnesota, if nothing else, will have a solid defense and a good rushing attack because that's what they always have. And that's going to be enough to win this game. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska has a lot of nothing. Uh, and also, Great. did you happen to see the depth chart they released this week? No. They have some truly, truly baffling choices on here. Okay. Um, Anthony Grant was one of their only returning offensive players who was, like, competent. Uh-huh. Uh, he ran for, I think, 900-something yards last season. And Matt Rule has demoted him to the third-string running back. Uh, behind last year's number three and four players, uh, Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson. Uh, Gabe Irvin is like a power back plugger with no explosiveness. Uh, Ramir Johnson has been there for like seven years and it's still bad. Yeah. Um, Grant's like not great, but he can at least play a little bit. Um, I I don't know, dude. Like their wide receiver, they lost Trey Palmer. Uh, they also lost Alante Brown, Oliver Martin to transfer. They get Marcus Washington back but also demoted him to second string uh, behind redshirt sophomore, former walk-on Alex Bullock, who has played two games in two years, not recording a single stat. Um, I'm a little worried that Nebraska has not fully bought into the Matt rule system and that he's maybe punishing some guys. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. That's also my takeaway too. But like, if they do that, they're going to lose this game. Yeah. That doesn't inspire um, a whole lot of confidence for game one. Maybe down the road, the culture will be better and they will have bought in more having learned from this experience. But usually if you are learning from an experience in a football game, that I don't feel your, I don't feel great about your chances. I don't want to be taught a lesson. No. In a football game. <laughs> and, and also his previous first two campaigns at Temple and Baylor were three and 21 combined. Yeah. So like I, he, he's comfortable losing some games here. One, he knows that's, that's fine for him. Yeah, he's, he's, um, uh, he's very much a down to the studs style rebuilder. He does not really have a whole lot of interest in picking up where things were left off. No, I, I do like their linebackers a good bit. Um, they have Luke Reimer, Nick Heinrich, God, MJ they've Sherman been there forever. Oh my yeah. God. It feels like yeah. Nebraska has well, had the same depth chart since like 2019. It does feel that way. Uh, <laughs> it's weird that they haven't gotten any fucking better. How is that possible? How, yeah, how they is... haven't developed at all. Yeah. I, I guess I'm kind of hopeful about their O-line. They've had the same guys there for a 
long time. Uh, they're starting uh, Turner Corcoran and Bryce Benhart, who are both like, I think like fifth year junior or something like that based on COVID. I forget how it worked. Yeah. Um, it's kind of bizarre, but um, their safeties, uh, I don't know, dude. They, um, who is, they kick someone out. Um, uh, what is it? I'm sure to look it up here. Um, oh, yeah. They they pushed out Miles Palmer, who's their best returning safety, uh, for violation of team rules on August 2nd. Or not violation of rules. He said it was not meeting team standards, the quote. Okay. Um, so that's great. And then also their other returning safety, Marcus Buford, is out for injury for at least five or six weeks. Um, so they have one guy back with Isaac Gifford, a bunch of bad players who played a little bit previously. Um, I, I don't know. They have uh, Omar Brown, who is an FCS All-American, but hasn't really done much in skate to Nebraska. Uh, he played there last year, did nothing. Their corners are good. They have Quentin Newsom and Malcolm Herzog back. Um, but this is a really bad roster. Their schedule this year is disgustingly easy. And I'll, we'll talk about this more in the Big Ten preview, but don't be surprised they win like five or six games. But they are not good. Do not confuse them for being a good football team. Yeah, I would guess that this is one where Minnesota is just, like I said, further along and, and pretty obviously better. Um, then no fly list here. <laughs> it's it's on. It's a game. It's an interesting place for this game to be. NC State at UConn, 7.30 p.m. on CBSSN. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know why you would go to UConn if you're NC State, but... UConn went to a bowl game last year. Yeah, probably a two-for-one. UConn went to a bowl game last year. I don't imagine they're going to do the same this year. I think they've gotten quite a bit worse. NC State, as we have talked about a couple times, is not necessarily starting over, but certainly retooling uh, and and has a lot of new new faces, uh, including Brendan Armstrong at quarterback. I am interested to see what that looks like. I'm interested to see what that Robert and I offense looks like because it was at one point very good in the ACC. It was good at Virginia. I know you don't think so, but it was. Um, so it I was am, good. It was just like fake good. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's most offenses. But uh, it's it's college football that we're talking about here. They're not really <laughs> – there's only a couple that are actually good. A lot of them are just sort of – smoke and mirrors um but i i am interested to see what just what they look like and and who steps up as contributors there i don't really have a whole lot of interest in this game itself as an actual football game i think nc state probably rolls but i it is kind of like what we were talking about with notre dame and navy it's a scouting opportunity to see what nc state looks like yeah i want to see their defensive line mostly we kind of know what their linebacker secondary are a lot of returners there Uh, i kind of just want to see nc state's defensive line um I think it's like not impossible they pitch a shutout or close to it. I don't think that's crazy to expect. No. Um, so I want to see them limit limit UConn's offense a lot. If they are not doing that, uh, this offense here at NC State is not going to be doing very much. So I am concerned for a long season if that happens for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if their defense looks good, I think it's – I don't know. I'm just kind of curious if their defense plays, but I want to see. Yep. Um, cool. Yep. Um, all right. We have – Friday, September 1st. Oh, yeah. Next up, Friday, September 1st, Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> uh, I don't really know that this even deserves that that <laughs> that, that uh, signifier, but it's the best game of a really bad slate. Louisville at Georgia Tech, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to watch Louisville. That's it. That's really what I'm what I'm curious about here is seeing what Louisville looks like first year under Brom in a in a conference game against a team that has, in theory, at least a couple Power Five players and and could do. I mean, Georgia Tech beat some teams last year. They beat some competent teams. They beat Pitt. I don't imagine they're going to do that here. I don't 
I think they're kind of dead on arrival this season and in general with this new tenure. But um, I, I'm interested to see what Louisville looks like and, and who steps up on that offense, yeah. what the offense looks like, what they're doing. Probably just Jamari Thrash. Yeah. Probably just Jamari Thrash. But it is still, you know, it's worth it's worth checking out. There's nothing else going on on Friday. Um, I think this is pretty comfortably the most interesting of the games, which is a reflection of the other games. Yeah, agreed. Um, I don't know. Like you said, no real thoughts at Georgia Tech. Uh, they'll be pretty bad. But Louisville, Louisville should be a bowl team. Like they're like a seven and five football team. Uh, I guess if they win this game comfortably, it's kind of intriguing. That's kind of my only thought. Is again, like margin of victory for Louisville. If they lose this game, I mean, it's going to be a long fucking year. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up in the most wanted list, we have the Battle of Miami, Miami, Ohio, and Miami, Florida. Uh-huh. Um, Again, not many thoughts here. All I want to see is Miami's D-line mm-hmm. uh, because they are playing Texas A&M week two and they are going to start a true freshman at tackle. Um, so I want to see how he holds up against Miami of Ohio uh, just to get a little preview of that game against Texas A&M next week. It's kind of the only thing I want to see from this game. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not going to... I guess also the offense. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm curious to see what the offense looks like against a very good Miami-Ohio defense. I think that could be kind of a fun matchup. Um I would assume that that uh, Miami, Florida wins, but I do want to just go back in time real quick to September twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, Middle Tennessee State forty five, Miami uh-huh. thirty one. It has happened before. It <laughs> it has it is not impossible that Miami could be a disaster um, because they were last year. I don't think they're going to be. I, I think that they have probably stabilized in some form with a staff that's less mercurial, but. I don't know. I'm interested. I'll I'll keep an eye on it. I'll keep an eye on the score probably on my uh on one of my my phone apps. Somebody will tell me the score on one of the one of the apps and that'll that'll be how I keep mm-hmm. track and You love uh, an app. I love an app. I'll monitor the situation and check in if needed. Uh no fly list. We got two games on here. I think both of which are basically the same appeal. Central Michigan at Michigan State, 7 p.m. on FS1 and then the late night kick Stanford at Hawaii, 11 p.m. on CBSSN. Um, I'm going to take the latter. I'll give you the former. I would keep an eye on this one mm. because I think Hawaii is probably better than Stanford. I think Hawaii might outright win this game. They get it at home. It's going to be really fucking late. I, I don't like Stanford's defense at all. I don't like anything they have on defense. And I think Hawaii might uh, – this might be a vintage Hawaii performance offensively. I'm, I'm actually legitimately kind of looking forward to watching this one because I think Stanford probably loses. Yeah. I mean, shit, if Stanford loses this game – they it's, are going one and eleven because yeah. the only other game on the schedule is Sacramento State. Yeah, which and, is and, hey, Sacramento State hasn't been that bad recently. <laughs> well, yeah, but their coach is now at Stanford. <laughs> yeah, well, they know um, they know all their tricks. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, Michigan State. I um, I think they're going to be pretty awful this year. <laughs> they're be really bad. I don't think I don't think Central Michigan's going to do anything about it. Uh, yeah. Um, but I, uh, they could. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I cannot, in good conscience, recommend watching this game. I cannot recommend that to anyone. No, the no fly list is generally not going to be the games that you want to keep an eye on. But they're there. No, they're not there. on, not on a Friday night and on Labor Day weekend. No, no probably um, not. I, I, this is one uh, of the rare times that I would say probably just go do something else. I don't think you really need to stick around on Friday night to watch these games. You're not going to be missing all that much. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> I guess the answer is if you see this game close in the second half, go turn it on or go to a bar where it's on at. But um, don't, don't spend time on this besides that. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Saturday, September 2nd, 
the noon slate will kick us off here. No Guantanamo Bay games for reasons that will become immediately apparent, apparent but we do have two most wanted <laughs> games. Uh, we're going to start with Fresno State at Purdue on Big Ten Network. First game of a new tenure for Purdue under Ryan Walters. Fresno State looking to uh, really sort of revamp its team after losing quite a few star players. Jake Hayner, of course, chief among them, but also a lot of his offensive weapons. Defense should be pretty good for them this season, but the offense is uh, turning. It's, it's, it's enlisting a lot of new guys for, for help, including Mikey Keene, uh, the transfer from UCF at quarterback. I'm interested to see what that offense looks like against a, you know, a Ryan Walters defense. Uh, this one I think should be fun. I think this is one of the better G5 teams playing against a, a P5 team that has a lot of questions to answer. And that's always, you know, that, that can make for an interesting football game. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that I, I just basically based on Purdue's running game alone, they should win this game. Uh, they have three of their linemen back. There was their three best ones uh, mm-hmm. with Marcus and Bal, uh, Mohamed Musa and Gus Hartwig. Although Hartwig, uh Hartwig is still unclear I think he's back practicing I don't know if he's full contact yet I'm, I'm sure he's going to play but I, I don't know he's pretty good at center um yeah I mean they're changing their defensive scheme allegedly to a 3-3-5 last year Walters and Kane ran more of a 3-4 for Illinois um I'm a little intrigued by that just because of the way the personnel shake out here uh Purdue does lose three of its four defensive line starters um I don't know. I like their outside linebacker. I like their linebacker position as a whole quite a bit. I think it's really, really solid. Uh, I think their cornerback's going to be terrible. This is, I guess, the one thing I want to this game. Have you followed the Jamari Brown story at all? No, I have not. Jamari Brown transferred out of Purdue, and he's a grad transfer, oh, on August 24th yeah. to Mississippi State. I remember you talking um, about this. Yes, yeah, that is... One of the biggest fucking dirtbag moves I've seen in college football in a long time. Yeah, you really you really can't be doing that. The, the early... The early August into even late August transfers, the fall camp transfers in general, that does bug me. I don't, I don't really, I don't really think you should be able to do that at that point. I think if you get to fall no. camp and you have that big of an issue with your team, you probably need to just sit out that season. Just quick football, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I hate that. I really hate that. I mean, produced corners are going to be pretty bad uh, in large part because of that. They have a bunch of transfers here. There's a guy from Penn State, a guy from Ole Miss, a guy from Stanford. None of them are very good. Marquise Brown's fine, I guess, but like, I don't know. I, I guess I, I want to watch Purdue's pass defense a little bit. Um, I want to see how their O line looks and if they're healthy. Um, I think the Russian is actually pretty good. So I, mean, I think Purdue wins this game just by controlling the football yeah. uh, and kind of winning both both fronts. But I'm, um, I don't know. I'm curious to watch them. Yep. Uh, next up, also in the most wanted section, also at noon, Tennessee versus Virginia. I think this one's in Nashville. So I mean. Not that much of a neutral site, but neutral site in in name on ABC. Um, man, I don't know. I guess it's kind of fun to watch Tennessee play, right? Virginia's defense, like we've we've talked about or I've talked about, has was pretty good last year and might be decent this year. I don't imagine that Virginia is going to be able to put up a whole lot of any resistance to what Tennessee is doing. Not necessarily just defensively, but in general, I don't think they can really realistically expect to keep up or even be super competitive but it is a chance to watch Tennessee play and and to see what Joe Milton looks like to see what that offense looks like um as a uh as a team that is considered by a lot to be a potential playoff contender yeah I mean I agree I I think that's pretty much the answer right is looking at Joe Milton uh we kind of know what the rest of this team looks like for the most part yeah uh I mean they they have most of the running backs back most of the offensive line uh the receivers just the top two guys but we've seen a lot of guys play a lot of reps because of injuries in the past so the receivers are kind of known quantities 
Um, I don't know. The defensive line was kind of bad last year. Maybe Virginia can run the football a little bit, uh, but I think they got better this season. So we'll see about that. Uh, linebacker's good. Secondary is good. I mean, I, I like Tennessee a lot. They win this game pretty comfortably. But I, if Joe Milton looks like ass, that's kind of instructive for the rest yeah. of the season. This, uh, I, I know you and I disagree on that. I think he's going to be good, but we'll see. This is a, I, I will say, this is a really good first game for Joe Milton. This is a really good for us, yeah. for the sake of us to see what he is doing. Um, because John Rodzinski, the defensive coordinator at Virginia, knows his shit and knows how to confuse a quarterback. Um, I, I think if Joe Milton struggles in this game uh, and against this defense, it is a it's a it's a red alert for the rest of the season. Would be my would be my thought. I think that's fair. Uh, our next game, Patrick. Uh, it's kind of telling with the most talked about uh, thing of a game is whether or not the head coach of the visiting team is going to be able to walk or not. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the big storyline coming in here is can Deion Sanders walk on the sideline? Yeah. Will he be in a, a wheelchair? Which, I mean, I'm not trying to make light of his health issue. I do hope he's okay. But, I mean, like, no one's actually with the football game here. Yeah. Uh, despite TC having played the national title game last year. Yeah. Um, Everybody. I don't know. I mean, I, well, yeah. the, the all of the, the, the issue is that I think all of the major television broadcasters really don't want you to remember that TCU was in the national title game last year. Because that was sort of a, uh, ooh, not, not the best TV product in the world. TCU losing by... 150 points in the in the marquee game of the year um (laughs) maybe don't want to remind people of that too much but yeah we're moving into the no-fly list here with colorado at tcu on fox um i don't know man there's not a whole lot that i'm interested in here i i I guess you know some of colorado's new players it is going to be fun to see what they look like i it is just as a curiosity to see what colorado looks like is going to be fun i guess you can you know watch Chandler Morris on the other side. I don't really, there's not much that I want to see from TCU, especially in this game that I think they're going to win pretty comfortably, but there, there's some stuff on the Colorado side that could be fun. Yeah. Can they run the football? That's kind of what I want to see. Yeah. I think they have some receivers and a quarterback. Uh, they brought in some, you know, Alton McCaskill and Smoke Cavassier running back. The yeah. O-line is brand new. Yeah. Uh, TCU yeah. has one defensive lineman who I like in Demotic Williams. If uh, if they can run the football on him and the, this defense broadly, I'm kind of intrigued by that because mm-hmm. Colorado might have a higher floor than I thought. That's kind of my only intrigue is Colorado's running game. Yeah, it's it's a fun thought experiment, and I think you get to see it sort of play out in a way that you don't usually with with college football, which has been how you know we've talked about Dion for a while now. Um, next up, Utah State at Iowa on FS1. Um, I, I cannot, me on this one. I cannot yeah. in good conscience tell you that this is going to be an especially compelling football game just because Iowa's defense is really good. Probably the best in America, even without Noah Shannon, the starting defensive tackle who has been suspended indefinitely for, uh, gambling, which, uh, several players on Iowa's team have. I don't know if they revealed all the guys who were involved with that yet, but it looks like, uh, they have Cade, could they have Cade McNamara listed as the starter at quarterback? He was injured earlier in fall camp. I will believe that when I see it, I'm going to say. Um, but it's U- Utah state has a lot of new pieces on offense. I think the offense is probably going to be pretty good at some point this season, but week one going to Kinnick playing against that defense is a very, very, very hard first game. That's a very hard first matchup for an offense that yep. has, you know, two new starters at wide receiver, new starter at running back four new starters on the offensive line. Uh, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot for an offense to handle. I think that there probably will be some flash moments. Um, 
I like the running backs for Utah State a lot. I think quarterback Cooper Lega has been playing better this offseason and has looked good through the fall. Um, I would expect that Micah Davis will uh, make at least one or two really, really impressive plays out wide, but I don't think that this is going to be super competitive. I would guess Iowa just sort of sits on them, and it's a low-possession, low-scoring, dominant blowout victory, basically. Yeah. Uh, the last game in the fly list is ECU at Michigan. Yeah. I have two things I want to see here. Uh, one, it is the first Big Ten game on Peacock, so I get to watch the Peacock production value. Um, Let's go. So that's something. Yeah. Uh, and besides that, uh, Michigan is having Jesse Minter coach this game because Jim Harbaugh is suspended. So, I mean, Jesse Minter is a guy that has aspirations of either being a college head coach or an NFL DC soon. Um, so kind of a tryout game for him. We saw this happen with like Ryan Day at, at Ohio State where Urban Meyer was suspended. Um, so I'm mean, kind of curious to to watch Jesse Minter. Uh, again, it's not going to be a um, it's not going to be a competitive football game. They should win by like 30 Ooh. points or 40 points, but. Yeah. Um, I guess just watching situational football calls from, from Jesse Minter and seeing how he handles that will be uh, will be kind of compelling. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's fine. Um, all right, moving on from the noon slate into the afternoon, we have a Guantanamo Bay game here, Boise State at Washington, 3.30 p.m. on ABC. This is just a fun football game and a fun matchup. I, I don't think that Boise State is going to win or seriously challenge for a win. I think Washington is quite a bit better and obviously gets this game at home. But uh, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what Boise State looks like offensively without Dirk Cutter calling the plays. He really came in and sort of saved both the 2022 season and maybe Andy Avalos's job last fall. Um, and he doesn't have him anymore. Dirk Cutter has retired. And so a lot of the talent is back on offense, but the coach isn't. And so I'm really interested to see what that looks like. And then defensively, Boise State really has a lot of new pieces. Um, we've talked about Washington ad nauseum. I don't think I need to really touch on what Washington is doing again. I think they're going to win comfortably. I think Washington has this one in the bag. But this is a pretty good opponent. This is one of the better teams in the Mountain West. And it is, it's a good first test, I think, for both teams to sort of measure where they are. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, especially, again, just Washington had a pretty bad run defense last year. Uh, and I think I they actually finished okay on like the yards per carry stuff, but their actual situational run defense in key moments was pretty bad. Uh, and I think just getting to watch them play against Ashton Genty and George Alani is uh, going to be fun. Yeah. So um, I want to see how their linebackers look, how well they kind of understand the defense. Um, if Washington makes any changes on defense based on their personnel losses um, and if they have kind of improved at all because they need to get better on that side of the football. And it is a chance to do so against the Boise State team that – Maybe you disagree, but I view them as kind of fairly one-dimensional. I don't think they're much of a passing attack there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're so not, you're not kind of curious. A, was... You're not going to hear a ton of disagreement from me on anything negative about Boise State. Generally, just a blanket agreement on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, curious to watch Washington's run defense. That's kind of all I'm looking for here. The game I will actually be watching, as you know, uh, because yeah. Yeah, you know the, it's kind of my shit here. In the most is Ohio State. section, yeah. Yeah, and the most wanted section is Ohio State, Indiana, which is on 3.30 at CBS. Um, well, I mean, look, we know who's going to win the game. Hmm. Um, <laughs> however, there is a quarterback battle that is alleged. Well, we're going to find out tomorrow or I guess today whenever this releases. Um, but as the plan, as I understand it right now, is for both quarterbacks to play in week one in Indiana. Uh, so we're going to get to see Ohio's quarterback battle play out in real time. Um Indiana is, I don't know if you saw Tom Allen's notes today, but is not announcing his starting quarterback in advance. It's going to be Taven Jackson. Yeah. And he's not announcing his starting kicker in advance. It's even funnier. 
<laughs> Indiana was really sort of going through it with the press conference today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you have Tom Allen being cagey about the starting kicker. You have uh, I don't remember. I think it was Walt Bell, the offensive coordinator, um, saying that he wasn't he wasn't trying to take any shots at the old offensive line coach Darren Hiller, but that but the offensive line has made huge strides this offseason under the new coach. <laughs> Just uh, mm-hmm. it was really sort of. Which a, to be fair, Dylan Hiller was horrible. Yeah, he was really bad at his job. But uh, you usually don't want to say that about the guy who you just worked with the year prior. <laughs> it's not not a not a very nice thing to do to somebody um but that's uh, i guess that's walt bell for you um also he's gonna get fired himself in a year so yeah careful buddy yeah walt bell's not good either no <laughs> no he's not have self-awareness yeah well, um well I'm, I'm sure he'll use all that offensive line improvement to call 45 fucking screens and then go home that's it i'm done i called my 45 uh-huh. screens i'm done i'm clocking out for the day um can you give i mean uh, uh, just as this as an actual football game um, could you give me a reason to watch this? Is there a reason to watch this other than just like yeah, Ohio State's quarterback? I mean, look, Ohio State obviously has had a lot of problems in the secondary uh, for basically for the last five years yeah. uh, as they kind of complete Ryan Day's Alex Grinchification of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and Indiana does have some players outside who can threaten you. Uh, Camp Camper is there, who's been hampered by injuries most of his career in Indiana Camp- so far, but yeah. I think he's a pretty impressive player. You're telling me Cam uh, Camper has been hampered? <laughs> Nice. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> um, they brought in that Fordham kid to Quest Carter, but he was like uh, first in the FCS and yards per catch, kind of an explosive player. Jaden Lucas is really quick. Uh, they're running back, also plays a bit of slot receiver. Um, they have some guys who kind of threaten the edge here, and I'm curious to see how well Ohio State and their secondary kind of uh, maintain and kind of how they look as a secondary as a whole, because you have a lot of guys in new roles a lot of new starters in the back seven, but I do think back five rather because the linebacker is the same, but uh, I am very curious to kind of see the quarter rotation, see how the secondary play looks, make sure Josh Proctor does not touch the field. Um, I just want to see how I secondary for the most part. I, I think, I guess also like there's a lot of hype in fall camp around Indiana's defensive end, Andre Carter, who, mm-hmm. you know, transferred from Western Michigan. Pretty good player. Yeah. Uh, a pretty good player. And Ohio State does have two new tackles. So that's kind of a good – it's a, it's a player that is a good week one test for a tackle, I think. Yeah. Uh, he is not the best defensive end they'll face all season, but he is a good one. Uh, and having a good show here can build some confidence. Um, so I like to see them play against him. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. – I'll uh... – That's kind of, I'll ask you two real quick, just just first response, first thing that comes to your head questions here, just to gauge where you, where you're at and where Ohio State is at with this. Um, first up, what would be the uh, could be a score, could be whatever else. What is the result from this game that you're happy with, where you come away and you're thinking, yeah, that was that was good. I feel good about this. I would like to see Ohio State score more than 49 points and see them hold Indiana to fewer than 20 points. Okay. And then what is the result that you're feeling very bad about? That's like a, a, a fire alarm that's, you know, uh, things are not good. Things are not where we want them to be. Uh, Indiana redshirt freshman Taven Jackson passes for over 300 yards. Okay. All right. I like that. Uh, or even like, I guess, over 270. I'm kind of anxious. Mm. So if he hits 271, you're you're pissed. You're <laughs> I'm pissed off. Yeah. Hand, hand they, are hyped about, the they are hyped about Taven Jackson, but like, <laughs> I guess say this. I, I like Taven Jackson. I know they're really hyped about him in Indiana. He is a big athletic kid. He's like 6'4", 6'5". He can really run. Yeah. Um, but he did not really see the field. I think he threw like 
four passes for Tennessee last year hmm. in his redshirt season. Was he at Tennessee? Uh, I he was at Vanderbilt. He was at Tennessee. Oh, he signed okay. a, he's a four-star inside of Tennessee at a center grove. Okay. The other thing, too, is at center grove, he ran basically a wing T offense where he passed like 15 or 16 times a game, hmm. um, <laughs> which is kind of crazy, by the way, they run a wing T because they've had, I think it's like three Division one quarterbacks, like three Power 5 quarterbacks in a row now because huh. the top kid is currently committed to Duke. So, um He's very considered to you he's know, good run too. a real yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah. Um huh. but besides the point, I don't know. Um yeah, I, I guess like I mean that's the other hand, is, is, is I don't know, Tavon Jackson is a player that could be like a foundational piece for Indiana for a few years to come. Um it'll be curious to kind of watch his first start. Uh, assuming he does start, which I don't know why he wouldn't. If they yeah. start the other kid, they're they're out of their minds. Soresby, I think is the other kid's name. Um I guess also Indiana's O-line uh, with Bob Bostad, who is the former Wisconsin O-line coach, um, has some potential. They have uh, they have Zach Carpenter and Mike Kadich back on the inside. And then um, also they, they had a guy, Matthew Bedford, was all of last season and has 28 career starts at left tackle. Um, that's not a bad O-line crew to start with. Like Indiana can maybe do some things on offense. The skill talent's pretty good. Uh, Taven Jackson seems to be better than – um, who they had last year with Connor Basilak and very high bar there. Yeah, fair enough. But I don't know. Indiana has the makings of an offense that should be good again. Huh. If it didn't have Walt Bell calling the plays, which is, is the tough part about this. Um, but I don't know if Indiana's offense can move the football. I am simultaneously happy for them as a program, but also more importantly, very pissed off at Ryan day. Um, so I guess we'll see which one of the two it is. Yeah. Love that. All right. Uh, no fly list. Uh, quick, quick rundown of these uh, here. Buffalo at Wisconsin, 3.30 p.m. on FS1. I don't know. Buffalo is one of the better teams probably in the MAC. Has a decent amount of talent. Should be should be a, a bowl team and probably above um, against a Wisconsin team that I'm very interested to watch. I, I like that roster a whole lot. I think that they are the favorite in the West pretty comfortably. I think they're going to be really good this year. I am just... I'm very curious to see what the offense looks like. I'm very curious to see what Phil Longo does with Braylon Allen, how much he does actually run the ball. He's said quite a few times that he wants to play to the talent they have, and the talent that they have is a a very experienced, good offensive line and an All-American level running back. So I'm interested to see if he actually does that, if if he's willing to to do that. Because if he is, even against an opponent that shouldn't be able to put up a whole lot of a fight, I, I think that that does bode well for what Wisconsin can do offensively even under a guy who neither of us like all that much, if he's willing to adjust and, and not just do you know, passing the ball 40 times a game with a, a passing attack that could be yeah. good, but isn't as good as Braylon Allen. I think we also both agreed like Phil Longo is not a championship football coordinator, but the aspirations for Wisconsin, even by hiring Luke Fickle are still not championships, right? They're not expecting to win titles. Yeah, not they not hired uh, Luke Fickle. Yeah, not yet. He would love to. I think that, that his, his, that's his yeah. goal long term, but I don't think that Wisconsin did that thinking it was going to be an immediate like, oh, we're a playoff team now. Correct. They're hoping to make the 12 team playoff in 2024. Yeah. And beyond. Yeah. They want to be a, is, yeah, they, is, they want to be a perennial 12 team playoff team, which I think is totally yeah. realistic for them. And, and Phil Longo, to his credit, has produced a top 35 offense every single year as an FBS coordinator. Yeah. Uh, which is a pretty good floor. Um, I, I, his personnel has changed quite a bit since then. I'm curious to see kind of how he uses, like you said, the Wisconsin personnel. If he actually plays that, he should pretty clearly. 
Um, and it's Luke Fickle's first game in Wisconsin, so you know I support the heavyweight champ. Of course. I will probably be flipping between, like, whenever Ohio State Indiana is on commercial, I'll be flipping between the Washington game and the Wisconsin game. Yeah. Uh, probably second screen game, probably have Wisconsin on and flip to Washington as needed. But, yeah. The, this is also yeah. one I would say, and I, this is a lesson that I've had to learn a couple times with the G5 versus P5 games. Um, this is one where Wisconsin's defensive front is going to shut down this game before it ever gets going. I, I, as much, like, I like Buffalo. I like Buffalo's offense. It's not going to go. It's not going to go against this Wisconsin front it is not going to happen they are they're yep. very good they're very good um okay and then also in the no fly list here uh, i i can't really talk this one up a whole lot cal at north texas 4 p.m on esp yeah we don't have to yeah i mean i guess you can watch jade jade not and see what that offense looks like i yeah jade not's fun they also have um certain they have um jeremiah hunter at receiver there is pretty good too yeah so that's on evening guantanamo bay um <laughs> so i the pick here might sound like this is not a great slate. I think this is a pretty good slate, honestly. I, I, I think that this is, you can talk yourself into this, but the, the top end game is not like a big marquee game that would draw a bunch of attention. It's South Alabama at Tulane, 8 p.m. on ESPNU. If you've watched football, if you follow the sport correctly or, or at all, or really, really just keep up with anything that's going on, you'd know that these are probably two of the three or four best G5 teams last year. Tulane obviously went to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, South Alabama yep. went to the Sun Belt Championship, I think. Did they? No. Troy did. They were close. They they, fin- did, they finished they sh- second. They were super competitive with Troy. They I think were- if it was divisionless, they would have gone. Right? Yeah, yeah. They yes, they were the second best team in a very good Sun Belt. They were they were right there with Troy. They were really good last year. I think they're going to be even better this year. I think Tulane takes a step back, which should bring them, if not even maybe a little bit in in South Alabama's favor. It's it's at Troy, which is obviously going to be a, a pretty cool and and good environment. I would imagine. Um, this is just a good football game. This is just a really good football game. I'm very excited to see Tulane's rebuilt offense without Tajay Spears against a very good South Alabama defense. Interested to see what South Alabama's offense looks like. It was shaky, sometimes good, sometimes not as good last season. I think South Alabama is a very, very serious contender, both for the Sun Belt title and for that, that G5, uh, New Year's Six bid this season. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be just a really good football game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I am really excited to watch a K-Womack team always. I do think Tulane takes a pretty severe step back. With, I mean, Ty J. Spears was so important to that team. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that's such a huge piece to lose for a team like that. But, I, I mean, Tulane's still one of the better uh, – still one of the better G5 football teams for sure and has a pretty high talent level just throughout the roster. Um, South Alabama, like you said, I think maybe is the best G5 team this season or close to it. If the team we're about to talk about isn't, they might be. Yeah. Um, them and Troy and, and UTSA are all very, very strong teams. Um, I really like what what they're doing there, and I'm just excited to stick it. It's going to be a competitive ball game with two teams that are expecting to uh, have a chance to play for their conference championship. So I'm looking forward to that. I want to see it, um, and we'll see what happens. And then um, let's get into the most wanted list. There's some. I mean, this is a pretty deep slate. Yeah, it is. I, I think that this is a like I said, it's not a super like marquee. There's not a ton of huge games. The huge game that would have been here is on Sunday. Um, but yes, uh, most yeah, we should say, we should say this earlier in the podcast, but the Sunday, Monday slate's kind of the heat on this one. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but before we do that, uh, UTSA at Houston, 7 PM on FS one rematch of the, uh, the matchup that they had last season that was excellent, came down to the wire. Um, I think that this one is also going to be excellent. I think UTSA is the better of the two teams is the deeper roster is honestly just more talented across the board. I don't really like this Houston roster a whole lot, but 
Houston has had more time at a at a higher level conference coming from the AAC and now moving up to the Big 12. In theory, they should be better. I don't think they're going to be. Um, but uh, they, they, it's, uh, this is just a fun matchup. This is just a really fun combination of teams to watch play. Very excited to watch Frank Harris play again. There was a, a really good story written about him in, uh, I think, Dave Campbell, Texas football that I shared on Twitter that people should go read if you haven't about his... Uh, very nearly career-ending uh, knee issue. Very scary. Uh, very glad that he is uh, healthy and has, has come back from that and is going to be able to play. I'm going to appreciate every moment I get to watch him play, and, and I'm just, I really like watching UTSA. They're fun to watch. The offense is really good. I think the defense is going to take a step forward. Um, they would probably be my pick above South Alabama and Troy as best G5 team coming into the season. It's I think it's close among those among those three, but um, I think they have a real chance of springing the upset here at at Houston and starting off this uh, this season for Dana Holgerson with a real bang and, and a, a great great way to start the Big Twelve tenure for those guys. Yeah, I tend to agree. I don't I don't even really like hate Houston's roster. I, I think like Houston, um, there's just not like, a ton I mean, that moves. They, the, there's just not a ton that moves the needle. Honestly, there's no. It's just pretty fine. clearly worse than UTSA. Is the yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the O line losses are tough too. With uh, with you know, kind of some of those guys transferring out. Cameron Johnson's a big one, but I mean, they have won twenty games for the past two seasons, which is kind of easy to forget based yeah. on how lackluster it's been. Um, but it's been a it's been a pretty talented roster as it always is. Um, Matthew Golden's a really fun uh, fun receiver for Houston. They also got Donovan Smith here from Texas Tech, yeah, who absolutely should be the Texas Tech starting quarterback. Letting yes. him block and picking Tyler Shuck is R- baffling, ridiculous. Um, Donovan Smith, yeah. Smith I mean, was Donovan good. Smith basically, he was good last year. He, he was, was good. good. To me, he is like a slightly less athletic Anthony Richardson. Like, okay. I know people get mad when you make like the draft comp or whatever, like the whole thing the guy's good at. And I'm not saying that Smith is a great athlete. To clarify, he is a very athletic player. He's just not like Richardson level athletic. Um, but he is a six foot five, two hundred forty pound monster who can really move and does a lot in the running game and the passing game. I think watching him versus Frank Harris is one of the best quarterback matchups we get all season. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to watch that. Happen. I would agree with yeah. that. You caught me right as I was taking a drink of water. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I'm, you're fine. I'm, you're uh, fine. Yeah. I, I think that this one is going to be really good as well. I'm looking forward to it. Um, next up at seven thirty. He has to also really quick. Uh, he has to be careful his interceptions. He's throwing the ball over too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, they and cannot afford to lose possessions to UTSA because yeah. UTSA will. <laughs> it's it's it's. If uh, I had to guess, it's lights yeah. out very quickly if you do that. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Cannot turn the ball over. He needs to be very careful with it. He threw 10 receptions on 333 attempts for the past two seasons. Got to get that number down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the other I, I will mention as well in tandem with that, it's it's good that you brought that up. Um, UTSA secondary, much improved, much improved from last season. Bring back a whole bunch yeah. of guys as well as some guys who couldn't play in 2022, who are like all conference level guys. Rashad Wisdom is the guy who comes to mind for me at safety. I think that they can. I think they can do some damage defensively against Houston. I think they're probably going to win this game, but I'm really excited to watch it. I think it's going to be a fun matchup. I think UTSA is very, very much for real and can can prove it here with a, a resounding you know performance. Next up uh, on ABC at 7:30, North Carolina versus South Carolina, neutral site game. Um, obviously, a, a rivalry game should be should be very close. I think these two teams are considered relatively even coming into the season. North Carolina obviously brings back yeah, Drake both May. Bad, yeah. yeah, both bad. Um, <laughs> North, basically, the deal is that North Carolina brings back Drake May and then has a whole bunch of questions everywhere else, right? And then South Carolina doesn't bring back a quarterback, but might have, you know, 
<laughs> <A couple laughs> they do have guys. the quarterback back. Yeah, I know. He just sucks. I know. Yeah. I know. Spencer Rattler is the returning starter. I'm, I meant what I said. They don't have a quarterback. They didn't bring back a quarterback. He stinks. This is not a big enough game for him to try. <laughs> He's not going to. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also worth noting here that North Carolina, their biggest struggle, like their their benefit was they had Tez Walker playing for them after coming to Kent State, and he is now uh, incidentally ruled him ineligible, and they are still appealing but it is not going to be done in time for this game. Um, so they're going to be without him. Um, I do, I, I don't know. Like, I, I I think North Carolina will have a pretty good rushing attack, all things considered. They have 88 career FBS starts on their own line combined, and they return 98.6% of their rushing production from last season. Um, they can run the football, and South Carolina probably can't stop it. Um, that's kind of the takeaway for me. South Carolina, I think, is... Their fans, that is an underrated and most annoying fan base in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they, I mean, they were 80th in yards per play last year on defense, 88th in scoring defense, and ranked 113th in returning defensive production wow. uh, for Bill Connolly yeah. after losing seven of their starters. Yeah, so, gonna, well, it, they had a bunch of troubles on the on the defensive line, which then also lost all of its good players. <laughs> Correct. And just to add, I'm just going to put some stats at you in this matchup. Okay. It's fun. 127th in rush defense last year, 110th in sack rate, and 130th in stuff rate. Um, they lose their best defensive linemen. They lose two of their top three edge rushers. Uh, Jordan Birch and Gilbert Evans both transferred out. Like Alex Huntley and Jordan Strachan and Tonka Hemingway are all fine. But those are just like – those are guys who should be – in your two deep playing 200 snaps a year in the SEC, they should not be your starting defensive lineman. Uh, and UNC, for all of their faults over the years, I think their recruiting and transfer portal additions have finally paid off the O line and should have a good group there. Um, there's one player in South Carolina who really, or on their defense I really like, which is Nick Imanwari. Uh, he was a freshman All American at safety, 6'4, 220. He is very, very good and a future Sunday player. Fun to watch him. Um, Spencer Rattler sucks, as we know. Yeah. Um, they do have, of course, Juice Wells at wide receiver. He rocks. I really, really want to watch him. Um, we also get to watch Nicholas Harbor play his first game. Yeah. Uh, five-star player, probably the, the freakiest individual athlete in the country. I think he was number one on uh, – he's number one on Bruce Feldman's freaks list, the true freshman, which is saying something. Yeah. Um, it's saying that South Carolina's strength and conditioning staff has a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's anything to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I'm saying yeah, just to he, send him oh, links and videos yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to yeah. let him know that they need to that he needs to do this. Here's some free access for you. You want to bump this kid up the rankings? I do think he's yeah. a freak athlete, but also I don't know that's the best metric in the world. <laughs> no, look, look, I'll say this: this is for me as a hater's ball because uh, I come out on top either way. Yeah. Um, I, I South Carolina is the team I am probably most down on relative to their expectations in the entire country. Uh, maybe there's maybe a couple others out there, but it's, it's them in Florida where I am like the biggest hater on those teams. Mm-hmm. And I am very much looking forward to seeing them eat shit. Uh, but North Carolina is also a team I think is constructed childishly. I think they don't really take college football very seriously. <laughs> um, they recruit a bunch of high-end players and don't develop them at all. Yeah, and, uh, then, and then they ship them out yeah. to go start for other schools, which is a fun way to do it. It's sort of... <laughs> exactly. So I like making fun of both of these teams. But we get to watch Drake May play, get to watch Juice Wells play, get to see Nicky Manwari. Um, I, I think North Carolina's... Off. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. curious to watch it. They have a new offensive coordinator... There's a few things to pick on here that are that could be interesting. Uh, who did they bring in as OC? I should know that off the top of my head. Um, they brought in North Carolina. Uh, oh, Chip Lindsay and Fre- yeah, Chip, Chip Lindsay and Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I was. I was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> we've become acquainted with those two over the off season. Um, yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I only have two real things on this. One, I think these two teams should just consider uh, a merger to combine into one good team instead of two bad teams. I they, they, I think that they could become. Uh, maybe eight and four in their respective conferences if they combined into one football team. Um, two, I do love it's so it's so good that the two teams who you are you you consider yourself the most down on relative to everybody else are two like bottom of the barrel SEC teams just fighting for a bowl game. You're just punching down at these two <laughs> two losers. I love hating, dude. I love being a hater. It's so fulfilling. It's one of life's greatest joys. Like. My, our buddy Denny said this, but he said the joy of being a hater is that it really allows you to squeeze joy in things out of things that you would normally despise. Yeah. Like actively being a hater and making fun of other people and other teams really lets you kind of get some enjoyment out of something that's otherwise miserable to watch because you dislike it. Yeah. So I find that it brings joy in my life to be a hater. Um, sure. And <laughs> I'm really happy to watch this, this dog shit game. These two teams, it's like this is this game happens every season yeah. where there is like two teams that played well last year, but will clearly be like, like fighting for bowl games in the following season. Yeah. But the matchup's still a helmet matchup for casuals who haven't followed the preseason and don't read our website. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing these two helmets who both suck play each other. Yeah, this is a great peripheral game. I think this is a great one to just have on. Last one here in the most wanted section. Toledo at Illinois, 7.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network. Toledo is the comfortable, comfortable, comfortable favorite in the MAC this season. Returns a huge chunk of last year's team, uh, specifically Daquan Finn at quarterback, who is awesome and I think is going to probably run wild in this game. Uh, Toledo brings back much of its defense. Should be really good this year if they don't fuck it up, which is mm, sometimes... Not sometimes not a guarantee with Jason Candle, but we'll see. They won the Mac last year. They they managed to not fuck it up enough that they won the Mac, even though they really really tried to fuck it up. Um, and they are going to an Illinois team that, uh, as you were telling me just before the podcast, is apparently uh, not looking great on paper. Probably probably not uh, not feeling great coming into the season with the number of guys that they have to replace. I think this is an upset watch game. I think that this is a legitimate. Something to keep an eye on that could go south for Illinois, even as a team that we liked a lot last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Illinois, to me, they do just have some kind of floor because of that defensive front. Like, I mean, getting Johnny Newton and, uh, oh, fuck, who's the other kid? Keith Randolph back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, Johnny Newton's an All-American. He is one of the best defensive linemen in college football, and you should all enjoy watching him for the chance that you have. Um in their O-line is pretty good too. Like it's a, it's a Brett Bielema team, right? They're going to try to beat your ass in the trenches. Yeah. And that is always tough for a G5 team to overcome. Uh, just be just based on depth, based on size, things like that. It's a hard thing to do. But like Illinois quarterback play may be truly awful with Luke Altmaier. Yeah. Um, we've barely seen him play. He threw 54 total passes to back up at Ole Miss. Uh, and he has a like 5.7 yards per attempt, as many interceptions as touchdowns, and he's completed 54% of them. 51% of them, sorry. Yeah. Um, he's not really not a rushing threat either. Like, so the whole, I mean, the whole back for Chase Brown's gone. Like, I don't know how Illinois will score points. However, I don't know that Toledo can in this defense. Yeah. Um, I, I would it is an upset watch, but yeah. I think it's yeah. low scoring. I think it's a low scoring game. Um, I'm interested yeah. to watch it. I don't know it. what the... Yeah, I, I, I would yeah, not... I guess, what is the over-under? Yeah. Who knows? Hard to say. Uh, 
Yeah, the over/under is forty-seven. So that okay. that tracks. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would guess it <laughs> I would guess it probably goes below that. But um, yeah, something to keep an eye on. I don't think I would like pick Toledo to win, but I would I would watch it. I would keep an eye on it. Uh, no fly list. We can we can blow through these real quick because I think that there's not a ton going on here. Uh, nope. Wazoo at Colorado State, seven p.m. on CBSSN. Texas Tech at Wyoming, seven thirty p.m. on CBS, and West Virginia at Penn State, seven thirty p.m. on NBC. Anything catching your eye here? Anything you want to talk about? Um, Penn State will stop West Virginia. I haven't watched Drew Aller play football though. Uh, Drew Aller's day, kind of starting debut is good to see. Uh, he he played a lot of that bowl game, but still, you want to see him start. Um, that's fun to watch. Um, Texas Tech should be a pretty good team this year and should have much trouble with Wyoming. Wazoo, I want to see Cam Ward those receivers see if there's anything there. I've mm-hmm. talked about them bringing in, um, what's his name for my Ben Arbuckle from Western Kentucky at OC. Yeah, uh, I am curious to watch him play. Um, uh, WU is really good running back. I'll say WU Penn State's a game that I asked you to move down to the no fly list. Uh, it's, I don't know, there's enough players here. Like, if you're just an NFL guy who wants to scout the team, which by the way, it's disgusting, a horrible way to consume the sport. But if you yeah. do live your life in that sin, yeah, um, you can watch CJ Donaldson, watch Drew Aller, watch Kaitlin King, watch Chop Robinson. I do, I, I, I do love me some CJ Donaldson. He is fun to watch. He, he rules, dude. <laughs> he absolutely rules. Um, yeah, I mean, just probably, I want to see Penn State's team as a whole. Like, Penn State has a lot of hype this year. It's probably their most hyped team since, like, 2016 or 17. Mm-hmm. Um, probably 17, yeah. yeah. Probably 17, yeah. I'm kind of curious to watch them play, see what they have, and and see what Aller looks like. Obviously, replacing Sean Clifford is um, – it's a, a newness they've not had in quite a few years. Uh, he was there for – he was 2017 recruit. So, I mean, that was his, uh, what, fifth season of college football last year. He started almost all of it. Mm-hmm. So, I am very curious to see a new quarterback for Penn State. Their O-line should be better. Um, yeah, I mean, West Virginia is not much of a test. They're, they're, they're pretty bad. They're a pretty horrible football team. But I still want to see Penn State play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, late night Guantanamo Bay. I think this is a really ideal 10:30 p.m. kickoff. We get this on ESPN. Coastal Carolina at UCLA. Um, I think I might have actually said as much when these to i don't know if they played last year did they play last year they might have done um there was a matchup like this last year south alabama uh south alabama at ucla last yeah. season i think i said as much that this should be a night game why is this not a night game why is this not like in the in the late slot and uh it is now so that's that's great i love that i'm gonna uh probably watch all of this given the time that it starts this is one that yeah, will, it will get the full you know the the it'll be it'll get to be basically the only show on it's gonna be the only thing in town uh, because it's so late, and I think that's that's a lot of fun. You know, there's there's stuff to see with uh, UCLA. I think they said they're going to play all three of their quarterbacks, which is yeah. But there's the first one off the bench is Ethan Garbers. Yeah, um... <laughs> the first one starting is Ethan Garbers. Yeah, kind of crazy. I would also say like, and you know, I don't think UCLA is going to lose this game, but I, I don't know mm-hmm. that I don't I don't know that Coastal Carolina is the opponent you want to be working out your quarterbacks against they're not like bad they were they were really good these last couple years and probably will still be good this year Grayson McCall is back I think the offense is going to be solid I don't know that this should be the workout game I think maybe you want to pick a quarterback and go with him and then you can you can try new things later on when you aren't playing one of the better teams in the Sun Belt yeah, I mean the hope for UCLA, right? Is just their O line moles. Yeah, which I don't which know, it, like... it it could. I mean, it very well could. Coastal Carolina's defense was not very good last year. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, I think in general, 
I don't know. Like the O line gets a lot worse from last year, right? Like they they are they are downgrading. Uh, I think there's like a top thirty or forty offense. Uh, I think that's fair to say. But yeah, uh, their defensive line is sick. They have um they have Cam Latu right? Or no, no, so they have um Liatu Latu. Cam Latu's a different team. Uh-huh. Uh, they have Jay Toya back. They have the Murphy twins. I think I think the the D line should be pretty strong for UCLA, which is probably enough to win here. Um, because their offense is it's still a Chip Kelly offense, right? They're, they're never gonna be horrible. Yeah. Uh, but they do lose three starting O linemen, which is tough. Um top three tight ends are gone, top two receivers, uh, you know, starting running back and quarterback. You know, like I think the floor is still pretty high with Carson Steele just being a Chip Kelly offense, but be careful. You know, don't yeah. don't turn that ball over too much. Don't don't uh <laughs> like don't treat this like you said like a warm up game. It's it goes to Carolina can punish you. Yeah, and uh, just purely as an entertainment, put this on. I think this is going to be a very compelling game to watch. I, I think that it's probably not going to be super competitive all the way through. I would guess UCLA pulls away, but two very fun football teams to watch, and and just a good. It's a great late night game. This is one that the, the ideal ten thirty kick, like I was saying. Um, also in the late night slot, <laughs> quite a bit less good. No fly list. Sam Houston at BYU, ten fifteen p.m. on FS1. I don't know, man. Sam Houston's defense was pretty good last year, and they redshirted a bunch of their best players, so they might be better this year. BYU, I don't know. I don't really know what BYU is going to be. I would assume that they're going to yeah. win this game. I think it's probably going to be low scoring and honestly not all that much fun to watch. Um, but it's it's on as a second game that you can flip to during commercials, I, I guess. Yeah, no thoughts here. Let's get to the Sunday-Monday games. Yeah, so the Abu Ghraib <laughs> game of the week on Sunday – 7.30 p.m. on ABC is, of course, Florida State versus LSU. We have talked about this one all off season. We have been excited about this one all off season, And uh, I don't know about you. I'm still excited about it. I still think it is going to be very good. I hope it's going to be very good. Fingers crossed that it will be good, that it will deliver on what it looks like on paper, which is a legitimate, you know, maybe borderline top five matchup between these two. I think these are both serious playoff contenders both serious contenders within their conference um i just want to watch this one i think this is going to be a really fun football game i think that the matchups are really good here florida state's rushing attack against the lsu front um being sort of the the main one i just this is just good this is a really good football game it's it's i'm not immune to the big marquee game i think this one is going to be very good yeah, um, I'm really much looking forward to it. I, I mean, we talked about it, I think, pretty endlessly, this matchup, like you said. But, it, you know, I, I guess there's just so many – there's so much on the line for both these teams this season. Uh, both of them are pushing to get back to where they were. Obviously, LSU, a much shorter drop-off uh, than Florida State. But, like, Florida State really has expectations of climbing the mountain again and being a a true playoff contender, a true national title contender, like a top five team nationally. Yeah. Uh, that I want to see them play against LSU. LSU will be out without Mason Smith, which makes it hard on defense. He was, I mean, he's one of their top two or three players on that whole defense and probably top five player in the roster. Uh, very, very talented guy, potential first round pick. Playing without him does suck, but their D line and their defensive front is so deep that uh, it's still, it's still a team capable of winning this game. Um, Florida State, has a few uh, their depth chart came out today i think they have two oars on, on the uh, on the offensive line which is not no uh, you <laughs> no. don't want to, this no. is not the game to test that out no. i would pick someone and play them uh, i think they probably will do that maybe they rotate for the first two or three drives and pick up the pick the better player there was uh, uh but there, there was a freshman at wide receiver as well right true freshman denton hill started yeah. he was an or starter wide receiver next to winston wright 
uh, who's also a younger guy. He, he um, He's interesting because he was a 2021, he was a class of 2021 guy who just enrolled this past year uh, from, from what I have learned about him, from what I've read. They really liked him back in the 2021 class. He had some issues that he had to attend to. I think just family matters, he said. Um, he was watching it and, you know, couldn't couldn't stop. Uh, had, to, had to finish the run of the show. But uh, he's back. He's playing. He's here. He's a true freshman. I think he's probably going to be really good. That he's that he has cracked the depth chart at, at wide receiver on this roster in year one tells me that he is uh, ready to go. That he is for real, and so I'm I'm fascinated to see yeah. what he looks like. This tells me more about him as a player than it does any concerns for the stakes. And the other two starters are are Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. Like they are yeah. fine at wide receiver. Yeah, I think they'll be. They fine. are fine at tight end. <laughs> yeah, they they are deep throughout. I mean, this offense is sick. Um, I just want to see these teams play, dude. I'm just so this is a game we've been talking about all offseason since last year even like i just want to see this game i'm just so excited to watch it um i mean you get to see jordan travis play you get to see you know trey benson you get to see hakeem williams play as a true freshman you're gonna see johnny wilson and keon coleman and jaheen bell and kyle morlock and uh you know Man. jared verse and and, and akeem dent and all these players you know i think bernardo green is, is there they brought in a french roll cypress like all these guys from florida state get to watch play such a deep roster, you know, obviously LSU has Malik neighbors and Harold Perkins and uh, Makai Wingo, Will Campbell. And and like, there's just so many names, in these teams of guys who are going to be talked about all season as like stars and like narrative setters in, the, in this college ball season. Yeah. But this is, I mean, this is like a top five game for the whole season. In my opinion, That's it's up there with like Alabama, LSU with Clemson, Florida state with Ohio state, Michigan, South Penn state, Alabama, Michigan, Troy. Ohio state, yeah. Penn state. Yeah, South yeah, Alabama, Alabama Troy, Troy, exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, like it is one of those games that I think really has a chance to define the season, uh, and I'm just so excited to watch it. Yeah, I, I will. I'll, I'll ask because I don't honestly know if we have done this. We've gone through the schedules a couple times and sort of given tentative answers. Who do you think wins this game? Who 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 actually who actually does it? Because I think. I think Florida State wins. Honestly, I think Florida State wins. I think it's close. I think it's competitive throughout, and Florida State wins uh late basically like a 31 28 kind of game which would be awesome that would be that would be perfect yeah. for for what we want from this my answer uh, during our preview podcast for the acc and the sec was that florida state would win this game and lsc would run the table and the sec after that yeah and i think i'm sticking with that i, okay. I think i think florida state is just a little more experienced they bring a little bit more back i mean lsu has a ton back but it's also like you know, play without mason smith is tough um, there's some projection to LSU's roster where I think it's clearly going to be elite. And after this game, if I recall correctly, a little bit of time to get there. Uh, I'm going to pull up their, their schedule, double-check that. Um, I don't think they play another marquee game for a few weeks after this. Because, yeah, they play Grambling, Mississippi State, Arkansas the next few weeks before going to Ole Miss, September 30th. Yeah. Which are not – those aren't layover games necessarily against Arkansas, Mississippi State, but they should be pretty comfortable wins for a team of this caliber. Um so going to Ole Miss, uh, they really will play again on September for a real team. Uh, I think the betting lines and uh, most of the indicators are favoring LSU by a field goal still in this, but I have Florida State. Um, I, I like yep. Florida State here. I don't know. I, I I just like Florida State's roster a lot. I think it's I, I, you know like the secondary has to be the secondary has to gel pretty quickly with some new guys there, some new faces. Um, I got to pull up that, that roster again, just to remind myself, but I, I know they brought in French Royal Cypress and uh, a few others and, you know, they just have to get it together very quickly because 
Well, LSU's receivers, I think, have some um, have some question marks behind neighbors. That's still a team that can. They have a lot of just crazy fast athletes in that receiver. A lot of guys who haven't done much yet. They're just freaky athletes, and I'm sure at least one or two of them will be yeah. compelling players. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, like the concerns for FSU are also longer term, like without the recruiting history of the top programs, they sustain depth throughout the season. But week one, I'm just worried about that. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, the, the group here is French Cypress, Bernardo Green are both all ACC players at corner. Um, you have Jerry and Jones who plays the nickel. Akeem Dent is back at safety. Uh, and Shaheem Brown, who's played a little bit, is going to be the, the only kind of new starter to this and Fentrell Cypress came in with the transfer portal, but he has started 20 games in the ACC before. Yeah. Uh, so basically the only guy who's not an experienced starter on the whole defense for FSU is Shaheen Brown. Yeah. Um, so I am, I am very curious about in the past. It's actually to see Jaden Daniels, see how he's grown, right? Because Jaden Daniels, like last year, the, and I think previously on him, the, the consensus has been he's an accurate quarterback. He makes really good decisions and short and intermediate routes but doesn't really have the arm strength to hit the sidelines as well. And his deep ball is pretty poorly timed. Yeah. Um, if you, you can't punish FSU deep, I don't know. I think they might have, they might tee off on him a little bit, but we're going to yep. see. I mean, I don't know. You, you get to watch the end of the day. Like the two best edge rushers in college football are playing the same game with Harold Perkins and, and Jared verse. That's awesome. That's yep. great. Yep. Um, just so many fucking guys here. Did I kick it over it? It's going to, I think it's going to be really fun. I hope that it, that it uh, lives up to the expectations um and is is good it would be a bummer if if it's not good because yeah. it looks really good on paper um, yeah and also one sorry one last thing before i yeah. forget i apologize i'm gonna add this in fsu's offensive line like we have an lsu's defensive front it's best in college football fsu's offensive line has nine total players who combined for 207 career starts uh if you think of thomas schrader it's eight of them for 206 huh. uh and those guys between them have 12 uh either all-conference, all-American, or all-freshman, all-American nominees. Huh. Uh, that is just a ridiculously talented group. Yeah. Um, maybe those oars aren't so it's... bad. Maybe <laughs> maybe it's not the end yeah. of the world if they've got some oars. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough about this game. I, I think it is uh, it's obviously the best game of the week, and, and like you said, on paper, one of the best games of the season. Um, you ready to move on? Talk about the Guantanamo Bay game for the Monday-Sunday split. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, Clemson at Duke, 8 p.m. Monday on ESPN. Uh, if you want to, if you're interested, and this, this is linked on the forum, it'll also be linked on Twitter because it's public. Uh, you can watch this game with Ryan and I. We're going to be on Playback, uh, which is the streaming service where you can watch football games. Uh, we're going to be watching this one. We're going to have some friends come in and join us throughout. Uh, should be a good time. Was always a good time last season. We're going to be we're going to be here live for this one, so you can join flipping the field and 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 uh, watch along with us. Uh, you're very high on Duke. I have been swayed by your optimism. I still think Clemson wins this game. I think Clemson is is the better team. Me but too. Yeah. Um, it's at Duke. Duke has a very good quarterback. Clemson has a lot of moving pieces as they try to, you know, turn back into a playoff contender, which they had not, you know, they were not last year, and, and I think are sort of they're they're in transition. They're trying some new things. I'm going to be very interested to see what the Clemson front, which a lot of people are high on, I'm not as sure about given how young they are. Um I'm interested to see what they do against Duke. I think that Duke can can do some damage in this game on both sides of the ball and I think I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than it is being, you know, talked about at this point basically. Yeah, I mean the pitch on Duke is just the offense for the most part. Their defense is is I mean they have Mike Elko coaching it. 
who's who's definitely an impressive offseason defensive coach in his career. And they did finish uh, 31st in scoring defense last year. The yards play numbers were a bit worse. But, I mean, they returned 98.6% of their passing production, 99.1% of their receiving production, 99.6% of their rushing production. They have three offensive line starters back and added uh, added two guys who who basically to fill in their their only uh, missing offensive line piece. They had the guy as twenty three starts for Stanford. So I mean it's it's a really really compelling offense, and you get to watch an NFL quarterback run it um, with uh, obviously with Riley Leonard there. So I mean they had you know they had nine players make all ACC last year, all ACC rather, and seven of them come back. It's just a very cohesive team with a lot of experience. Clemson is clearly more talented. We know that. I mean, it's forced to Clemson. But there are a lot of young players in that roster who are going to be asked to play a lot when they haven't before. I mean, I've talked about, uh, we all know, I mean, of course, you have Kate Klubnick, a quarterback. And, but that defensive line group has a lot of new faces in it. Everyone's expected to be very good. But they just got, there's a lot of guys there at Clemson who haven't proved it yet who I think will be very good. And again, I think Clemson does win this game. The people are talking about this as like, you know, a, a walkover game for Clemson. It is not that. Duke is a very good football team. Yep. Agree with all of that. Uh, most wanted. Oregon State at San Jose State, 3.30 p.m. on Sunday on CBS. Kind of a weird time and also channel for this game. San Jose State obviously coming off of a, uh, you know, a fairly competitive showing against USC. They kept it close for a half. Oregon State starting off the season. Oregon State secondary has some question marks that I think San Jose State might be able to take advantage of. I think this is going to be a fun game. I would imagine Oregon State wins and does so by a couple scores. I think Oregon State is a lot more physical defensively than USC ever will be under Lincoln Riley. Um, but I, I, I think that this could be this could be fun for a little while. It's something that you can watch on Sunday afternoon. It is, at the very, very minimum, the best football that you will watch on a Sunday this year, I, I, other than the, the Florida State LSU game. I think that this is, you're not going to get this from any of, the, any of the NFL games. This is better than any of that shit. You don't need to watch that moving forward. You just need to, to watch this and then remember it for the rest of the season. You don't have to, you don't have to watch football on Sunday. It's fine. This is, this is the only time you need to do it. That's right. That's right. Uh, like you said, Oregon State are physical here. Very curious to see that, uh, especially when we talked about the San Jose State offensive line. And obviously, USC made them look pretty good, but that is not a good outline. And, no. and Oregon State can punish them on D-line, I think. Uh, even despite the losses at linebacker, which are tough, they, they have enough in the defensive line to make me feel good here. Um, the no-fly list uh, game uh, here. I guess do you have any more thoughts before you move forward? No. Or do you? No. Okay. No-fly no list game, our final one. It's one of the the shittiest games of the year, yeah, uh, and that's why it's fun to watch. No. Uh, we get to see uh, Northwestern at Duke. Patrick, do you know how many teams at the Power Five level have ever gone zero and twelve before? Um, no, I don't. Probably not very many. I don't think that it's. I don't think it's super common. There are three of them ever. Oh. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, three of them ever. It's Washington in 08 with Ty Willingham. Yeah. It's Kansas in 2015 with David Beatty. Uh, and there is one more that I just lost, uh, which <laughs> we will tell you momentarily. We were so excited to find out. It's Duke in 2006 with Ted Roof. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, yeah, really, uh, uh, the holy trinity of football coaches. How the fuck do you go 0 and 12 at Washington? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. It has to go wrong yeah. for you in your life that you can do that. How bad do you have to be at your job that you do that? Good God. Terrible. Yeah. Do you recall do you recall uh they <laughs> their two losses they almost won 
they had Jake Locker, who was leading a furious comeback in week two against BYU, uh, but then got an excessive celebration penalty that had their extra point <laughs> attempt pushed further back and was then blocked, uh, which, is, which is why they lost to BYU. And they also lost in double overtime to 1-10 in 10 Washington State. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well... Yeah, uh, potentially very rare air for Northwestern to to try and fill this season, but we all believe in them. We think you guys can do it. It's it's uh, the world is with the cats, as the shirts famously say. We think you guys can do it. We believe in your in your journey to go. Uh, oh, and 12. We think you can do it. Yeah. We think you can join the, the, the holy trio. You can make it four. David Braun, I think you have what it takes to be one of four coaches to ever go. Oh, and 12 as a power five uh, at a power five school. I think you've got it in the bag, buddy. I think you I think you can do it. And this is where it all starts. This is where it begins. You gotta be ready to go week one, ready to get your, your <laughs> shit pushed in. If you wanna if you wanna make history, you're gonna have to be, you know, fully committed, ready to go from the jump. Yeah. Um it, I, think, I guess the only though the actual game here is just that Rutgers defense is pretty good. Um <laughs> Yeah, I guess. The offense the offense is really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh like one of the worst offenses in the country, probably. Their O line should be better this year, which is a help. Uh, they they better do have than, some continuity in the O line. Better than what? Exactly. Uh, better than last year's. Oh, it's probably. Hmm. It's probably an O line that can contend for not the. Fit. It, it, I think it can contend for the top one hundred offensive lines nationally. I'll say that. <laughs> that? I think it's a top seventy five O line in the country, <laughs> which is a huge improvement. High praise. Um, so if that's the case. And Rutgers can run the ball at all. I mean, Northwestern, dude, there is nothing here. Like, this yeah. is one of the worst – like, there are a lot of G5 teams with better rosters than Northwestern right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I will say, not as a not as a joke, I'm not being, you know, uh, tongue-in-cheek. I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not doing this as, like, a badge of pride. You should not watch this football game. Don't watch it. It's not – it's not going to be entertaining in any way. It's it, these two teams are not. It's not going to be like oh they're fun to watch because of how bad. They, it's going to be just it's sad. It's just going to be sad to watch. They're not going to be. They're not. They're it not. Is going to suck. These yeah. are not good football teams. These are not even competent football teams. It is not. There's nothing worth. <laughs> nothing worth watching here. Go for no. a long walk. Wake up on so Sunday people, and go for a hike or something, and then get back by three thirty. You don't need to watch. I, this. I do. I will say this. I feel bad. For the Northwestern players who transferred in, not knowing about this happening, yeah, and I feel bad for the coaches that were hired, not knowing this was happening. Um, David Brown among them. That yeah. does suck for them. Like I can't he, imagine they were aware of. He's this really sort of. Job. He's really sort of draped himself in it, though. <laughs> the, yeah, he's really sort of tried to ingrain himself in the culture in the months since. He he seems to be it's, trying to make up for lost time. <laughs> he seems like a dickhead. I understand that, but I do feel a little bit bad for him. I guess on that front. Yeah. Um. But no, look, I mean, this is, this is horrible. I, I do think it's very funny though, to imagine some like kind of relatively low info NFL fan who sees a football game on CBS on Sunday uh, <laughs> and <laughs> thinks he's going to, I don't know, turn on the giants or something and yeah. uh, ends up with Northwestern Rutgers. That's kind of funny to imagine. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know who's calling this game. I should find, I'm going to see who's calling the game um cbs has a has a lot of games uh in in this slate like a a much more than usual i don't know if that's going to be a thing throughout the year but they have like four or five games in this in this weekend uh they get jason mccordy as the color commentator oh 
man. Um, it's a you got a McCordy on the call. Holy shit! I don't. He's know. a Rutgers alum, right? I don't know who the fuck that is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything yeah. about McCordy. Yeah, he, I'm not a McCordy. Yeah, he head. played in the NFL forever. He was one of the guys who played for the Patriots. Sure. Um, oh, this is very funny, dude. Uh, is the, is he this the, is on the. He's the play-by-play guy. The, he's the color guy. Oh, who's the play-by-play? Um, the play-by-play guy is Tom McCarthy. Okay. Never heard of them. The, um, they could legitimately, they could give this the NFL on CBS presentation. They could, they might as well just do it. It would be funny. It would that you yeah. just, just do that. Do give them the full, like do like the <laughs> NFL pregame show and all that shit. Just talking about Northwestern Rutgers. <laughs> well, also uh, here, here's uh, something very funny here is the guy who wrote about this for the Rutgers SB nation site, whose name is Forno. I assume it's to, for short for fornication. Yeah. Um, he uh he concluded the article with a picture of himself uh with the McCordy twins in 2015. Okay. Um That's fun. one of the most swagless guys of all time. I don't know who this guy is. Sorry if maybe he's a listener for some reason, but just absolutely swagless, wearing some beat up dirty vans with some bad khaki pants and a and an ill-fitting Rutgers crew neck. I cannot um, imagine that this fool has found his way to our program. I'm gonna be honest. I don't I, think I don't if he is, shout out to you. We're gonna get you some new shoes. We're gonna get you done upright. But <laughs> we're, gonna do, you we're gonna do the first ever flipping the field apology of the week, and we're gonna <laughs> do right by you. I'm sending, I can send you imagine. the picture on Twitter if you if you want to check it out. Okay, let's um, see here. I'm gonna try and temper my temper my reaction. We will make this the the oh. cover photo for the oh, episode. Man. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, we're gonna get you, we're gonna get you some we're gonna get you some new pants, dog. We're gonna get you all set up. It'll be good. It's gonna be really sad when he DMs me. When he DMs us, he's like, "Oh man, I, I love the show." <laughs> Why? Why would you put that picture of yourself in there? I don't know. I don't know why that's the why that's the the end of the why that's the end of the thing. That would be a fun. That's a really funny thing to do for all articles. Just putting a picture of yourself at the end. Picture, picture unrelated. <laughs> this is me with Urban Meyer. Yeah, um, anyway, here I am giving a big thumbs up at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. Nothing but the best. Nothing but the best for this guy. <laughs> it really does sort of boggle the mind why you would include that. <laughs> I mean, he's feeling it too. He's like, oh, I look fucking good here, dude. I look sick. <laughs> me and my, me and oh. my friends, the McCorney twins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Those are the good old days. <laughs> oh, God. Unbelievable. You said from 2015? Kept his, yeah. kept his photo around for eight years. He loves it. This is his favorite photo. And we're just ripping this guy to shreds. <laughs> I show this to everyone. This has been my phone wallpaper for the last decade. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's probably married by now. He took us, he was, you know, like graduating college. He's probably married by now. Yeah, it's the best uh, day. He had this like, and in, in, this is on like the wedding photo book of him. This is on like the not.com page for him. Oh my God. Uh, the first page of the scrapbook. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we gotta get out of here. Gotta, I'm losing my mind. We gotta get out of here. I hope that SB Nation blogs just keep on going forever. We long after <laughs> Vox has shuttered and no one is the the, the auto checks are just being sent out by no one. God, wonderful! What a what a good <laughs> good collection of websites. 
the wildly the wildly varying levels of quality from website to website is so good it's such a good bit no standard at all just just up to whoever is in charge shout out to that guy at rutgers we love your picture uh we (laughs) we hope you're doing well we hope your team wins and that northwestern can accomplish what it wants to accomplish which is going 0 and 12 we'll talk to you all soon